Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to tonight's amazing share. Tonight is the 91st share at Tzadik Aleph with Let's Get Real and the Coach, Let's Get Real and the Chaver with Coach Menachem Berfeld. We're all here on Super Bowl Sunday. I know that the Oilam thinks it's not going to be a big crowd, but I, I predict that first of all, the Bengals will probably win. Number one, number two, there's probably a lot of people here, especially when the game is up. So looking forward. Um, again, everybody's coming here. Um, I want to thank all the people that are here every night. Every Sunday night, because uh, this is all built from you, people that are posting it to each other and letting people know about it, and Shkreif uh, for you know promoting it on the WhatsApp statuses, email to family, friends, and we really appreciate it. And every week it's getting better and better, and we have a lineup like like amazing. So we're gonna start off with Reb Daniel soon. Um, for all those who are watching the replay of this on the on the YouTube, please click on the like button, click on the subscribe button to Coach Menachem. So every Monday at about two three in the morning when we're done. And we upload it, you get a notification, and you can watch that week's share if you weren't to make it live. And if anybody likes to get the, the shiurim, the flyers every Sunday morning, you can either go to menachemburnfield.com on his website. You can sign up and every Sunday. He emails it on Thursday night and then Sunday morning, a reminder about who's the shiur with the flyer and the questions you can send to him. Or you can WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. Again, that's 848-525-0066. And um, every Sunday morning, I will send you the WhatsApp flyer. I want to first start off with uh, thanking our advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop here in Lakewood, for promoting us here, Rabbi Yanif Mechazak, for first of all connecting us with Rabbi Daniel back in the day. It's already not the first time he's here. A special thank you to Chayla Kaplan and Shmuel from JCN for always promoting us on all the Jewish networks. Coach Menachem Show is collaborating, collaborating with OK Clarity to bring greater health and wellness to the Jewish community around the globe. OK Clarity is the online platform for mental health support in the Jewish community. The platform can find the best therapists, coaches, nutritionists, engage in forms, and stay inspired. Menachem, at the end of the show, we'll email it out, and uh, you'll have that information. Next Sunday, we always go to next week. Next Sunday, we have an amazing share with the world-famous Ribbon C. in Glasgow. We'll be discussing an interesting topic. Tough questions, the topic is full. Tough questions. Feeling confident when your children ask difficult and scuffed questions. It's actually a big, it's more than that, the, 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 the title is. He wants to get into a lot of Muna. And he's an amazing storyteller. He said he's going to save a special news story for us. So um, it should be amazing where I've been seeing. Please tell everybody about it next week and join. It should be unbelievable. Tonight's show, we have the schus for having the second time with us. World famous from Eretz Yisrael. What time is it now, Rabbi Katz? Um, uh, time to be in sleep in bed. That's the time. It's all okay. blurred at this moment, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. It's early 4.30 in the morning for him. And uh, we're so happy you came live from Eretz Yisrael. So before we're going to start with him, we're going to first start off with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. Menachem, open it up. I have no idea what's going on tonight. Please, what are we doing here? So first I want to welcome back Rabbi Katz. Last time you were on, Baruch Hashem, the feedback was really, really amazing. People actually got to see how you guide real, real stories, real um, situations. And Baruch Hashem, I think tonight we're going to go a little bit deeper. And tonight we're talking about spiritual experiences. I know many people maybe have some idea what we're talking about, but there are many who 
don't know. And uh, I'm aware of that, but um, just an idea, I was thinking if, you know, uh, an example, you have two Tuesdays, one is the middle of the summer and the other one happens to be Yom Kippur. So the Tuesdays are really the same. It's, it's the same Tuesday, but one is Yom Kippur. Now, if somebody doesn't know what Yom Kippur is, so it is the same thing, no difference. Somebody knows what Yom Kippur is, it makes a difference. Now, Yom Kippur itself, every, it depends everybody with their meaning, how they understand Yom Kippur, how they grew up, you know, the knowledge that they have. And if you spend more time learning about it, it, it the more knowledge, it goes deeper. And all of that can stay with the knowledge itself. There is something beyond that, beyond the knowledge that really goes down to the experiencing, which, which this is what we're, we're I, I believe, what we're looking for. Another example is people can be, you know, let's say you're running to do the carpool in the morning, so you don't see the flowers outside. If you stop for a minute, sometimes you do see it, but then you continue. So you see it for a minute, nice weather, you say nice, you go on. What, what if it's your day off at work? It's beautiful weather, you take a drink outside and you sit in front of the flowers. It's a different experience. So it could go deeper. We can continue even looking at the flower, the difference between the inside of it, the outside, understanding. And if it's flowers for Arab Shabbos, there's something behind it, something deeper. And this is all, what I'm saying now is only the beginning. Because the Mitzvah tonight with Rabbi Katz, I believe it goes much deeper. But to explain, to explain experiences is almost impossible. It's like to explain a color. And there are very, very few out there that can actually um, help guide and explain experience, something that it goes very deep. And for people on this world that are grounded and are used to what we're seeing, logic, one plus one equals two, it's sometimes hard to tap into something beyond what we see, a little bit deeper, a little bit more meaning. So it is a big supposed to have with us, Rabbi Katz, which is what he's one of, one of those who Baruch Hashem has, met, has had success to be able to explain in a practical level. So Mitzvah Shem Ushav Siyat tonight and everybody should be able to tap in where we need to in Mitzvah Shem. Okay, beautiful Coach Menachem, beautiful opening. Um, before we get into it, um, tonight again, the, over, the topic is how a Torah and Judaism respond as the Vegas and spiritual experiences go mainstream. So uh, it's a strong title. Rabbi Katz will explain us what the title means because uh, I still don't get it. But I'm sure it's going to be amazing. But uh, there's no question in today's day and age, there's a tremendous amount of yearning to feel connected to Hashem and to feel spiritually connected. And uh, that's the thing that we're all striving for. So I'm assuming something to do with that. Tonight's year was sponsored by Fushalem for Yitzchok Yehuda Ben Miriam, who was a young, brave South African teenager who suffered a terrible car accident back in December of 2021. And the whole Johannesburg community is davening for him and his family for Fushalemo. On a global level, the session should be a herald of the emotional empowerment for all people to uncover their innate well-being and live with tranquility. Amen. For Yitzhak Yehuda, Ben Miriam, all the hundreds of people that are here now, 
Mitchum, all the heavy tens and hundreds of thousands of people that were here this year um, should hear it. I'm going to read your long bio, Rabbi Katz. Um, I cut out some parts, but it's still long because not everybody knows who you are. I don't even cut know out all the parts which are my name. Okay, so uh, we'll read it, and uh, then the floor is yours. Ready? Rabbi Daniel Katz is a visionary educator and internationally sought-after speaker. Rabbi Daniel Katz is a creative force behind the Elevation Project, which is his website. For more than a decade, Rabbi Daniel has opened compassionate teachings have been a catalyst for changing in the lives of thousands of people worldwide. Born and raised in Australia, Daniel abandoned his award-winning film and theater career in his mid-20s, and after a year of intensive spiritual awakening, exploring many wisdom paths and traditions in search of a deeper clarity to explain his experiences, he finally led to the Jerusalem year of Y2K 2000. Since then, he spent nearly two decades immersed in the world of Torah, Kabbalistic teachings, learning some of the city's greatest rabbis and spiritual masters. So far, so good? Daniel has lectured extensively around the world for the last 10 years, during which he's made his time as also a facility member of Neve Yerushalayim and Eish Torah in Jerusalem. In addition, he spoke at 2015 Symphonium of Science and the Meditation Tools of the Abrahamic Traditions, the Mind and Life Institute of Massachusetts. He was invited by the Chief Rabbi of South Africa to speak at the Sinai, how do you say that, Indaba Conference? Indaba. You have to go to South Africa to learn how to say it. Sinai Indaba. Sinai Indaba Conference in Johannesburg, Cape Town during which over 5,000 people attended in his elevation sessions and is presented at 2016 Wisdom 2.0 conference in Tel Aviv. And most importantly, here today, February 13th, 2022, at Coach Menachem Live. Daniel, floor is yours. Shalom. A good Yom Tif to you all. It's a special day in America, so I've heard. So we'll today we'll be talking about whether to say hello or not. It's the kind of question we'd have here. So we're sharing that in America. It's wonderful to be with Rev. Asher, Coach Menachem, and friends. Friends know who the friends are. I want to have a conversation, which part of me is very, let's say, trepidatious to have this conversation with you all. And part of me is thrilled and honored beyond words to have this conversation with you all. Um, and I realize for some people today, this may be triggering because I really want to ask a question about and I'm talking to my, my friends who are Torah Jews today. I know there's a, a lot of audience that, that I'm, I'm blessed to speak to around the world, but this is, I'm focusing with like-minded friends from the Torah world today. And that is something that I, I see that is happening in the world and happening in the Jewish world and the Torah world that is so significant. It's such a moment in history that I think it could really change the next five to 10 to 15 years could really change the future of Israel, And I don't mean to be dramatic. There are certain matanas, shefas, gifts that are coming from Shemayim, from above in this generation. And new possibilities for us to connect to Hashem, connect to Torah, connect to Israel and all of the world. Um, and as I travel the world, which I do, um, I meet so many people from so many different communities, religious and secular. I meet rabbis, I go into into Chadarim, into yeshivas, into seminaries, and I see what's happening in Chinuch, and I see what's happening in the strengths and also the challenges our people face. And more and more, there's a shprach, there's, there's something on the, the streets which I hear, and I get because I do what I do, um, because I teach a voters Hashem and Devekis and meditation, I'm more likely to hear these stories. But I hear more and more stories, especially from hundreds of people that uh, come to our Shabbos table each year, um, about people having spiritual experiences in the in the Torah community, in the secular-seeking Jews from around the world, 
and more and more it's not just a one-off spiritual experience but it's things that they're, they're learning techniques they're learning or approaches that they're taking that are opening them up to unbelievable abilities or unbelievable experiences and this is something in the Torah world we still haven't acknowledged or we still haven't let in even though it's not necessarily as we'll see tonight something coming from the outside but something very much coming from the inside and I think if we don't if we begin to see this not as an anomaly and potentially as something that is could change the way we understand Amunah, the, the way we understand Tikkun Amidus, the way we understand his Bodhidus and Tefillah, it could change the way that we interact with, uh, with Torah and Mitzvahs as Yidden. And I believe it's not something we have to be threatened by, but it's something which is an unprecedented opportunity to transform ourselves and our communities and the world. So without further ado, I'm gonna dive in here. Now I'm gonna spend 15, 20 minutes talking. This is the plan unless Rabbi Asha Coach Menachem joyfully interrupted me first with questions or complaints. Um, and then what I'm going to do is pose three questions. I know Rabbi Asha actually has some uh, questions for you all, but I have questions as well. And if I haven't offended anyone or triggered anybody or created a Ashkafic meltdown, which we, we call it, um, then, then I would like to try and explore these three questions. I'm not coming today telling you what's happening. I'm not coming here as dogma, as a teacher. I'm coming to you honestly telling you something that I've been speaking about my friend, with my friends, with Rabbanim for the better part of a decade, but particularly the last three or four years, that as an educator literally keeps me up at night. So this is my kishkis that I don't get to speak to people around the world. And, and I, I believe that this is a sophisticated, open-minded audience that I can bring up some real contentious issues about what it means to be a Torah Jew living in 2022 about are we happy with how connected we are? Are we frustrated with a lack of connection, with a lack of tools or techniques in Tikkun Amidus? Why is so many of the religious oil running to secular sources? Is there something that we haven't brought to the table for ourselves? And there's a gift of spiritual experience that people are having in the most profound ways. And I, I believe that we can't sideline these experiences ashkafically anymore, and we have to acknowledge them and bring them in to our approach. So let me begin at the beginning. And for the sake of introduction, the beginning is the Pasuk in Amos. Now we all know this Pasuk, the days are coming where Hashem is going to send a, a hunger into the land and a thirst into the land, but not a hunger for bread and not a hunger for for water, but for, for the words of Hashem, the Devar Hashem. And the, the Gemara in Shabbos says that this is referring to the end of days, the end of times. And what is the Devar Hashem? The Devar Hashem is Nevoah, what people are going to be searching for. They're not going to be hungry or thirsty for all the physical things in the world. And, and they're going to be hungry and thirsty, Devar Hashem. And Devar Hashem means prophecy. What is prophecy? So we have from countless Hasidic Kabbalistic sources from the Rambam, from Chazal, that, that the prophecy is what we call in our generation a very advanced and sophisticated meditation where a person would leave their body, ascend to the spiritual world, access light, energy, healing, knowledge, insight, be able to bring that down through their dimyon, through their imagination, which they spent a lifetime mastering, and be able to express and reveal that in the world. They had Elisha Nava, they had a power to heal others, to bless others, to understand the future. Um, and there's going to be a time, our sages warn, our sages promise, where 
even in the secular exile, where, where we've not, we don't necessarily have a deep spiritual connection, where the majority of Klai Israel don't connect to Hashem, the concept of Hashem or Torah, that there's going to be a deep spiritual yearning in the land. And that's a very, very deep thing. Because according to the yearning for connection, Hashem can awaken from above new tools and abilities to give us a deeper connection that traditional Torah and mitzvahs hasn't quite given all of Klai Israel. Now, let's begin here very, very simply. In Yemiyo, everybody knows the Pasuk. That a new Torah, a Torah Kadash, that's not my words, that's Chazal's words, that's already from Tanakh, a, a new form of revelation of Torah, the same Torah and Mitzvahs, but it's going to be given, it's going to be given internally. That we're not going to have to teach another person Torah, that people are going to understand the spiritual truth and wisdom that Hashem is going to awaken with individuals' hearts. That no one's going to have to say to their friend, their brother and sister, teach me Torah, teach me divine wisdom, because we're all going to awaken to that, that wisdom and knowledge happening internally. There's going to be wellsprings of Ruach HaKodesh, wellsprings of divine revelation that are going to come to all people. Many Siddiquim say it's going to come to man, woman, and child, race, color, and creed, there's going to be incredible abilities that humans get, right? And it says, Hashem is going to forgive us all. And for our sins and for our blocks and for all the, the, the trauma that we carry and the pain, our hearts are going to be purified. Hashem is going to take away our lave evan, our blocked, spiritually blocked, disconnected heart, and give us a, a lave bus of Adam, a heart of flesh and sensitivity. As we know from Yeshiyahu, that divine consciousness will flood the world, that every human being will become aware of life force, energy, higher truth, emes, amuna, within all things. Now, this is what's already discussed by our sages in, in Tanakh, in, in, in the Talmud, but there's particular many sources in the last few hundred years, from the Baal Shem Tov and the Tamiri Baal Shem Tov, to the Vilna Gon, to the Ramchal, to the Leshem, to the Riyakadash, who all discussed that that won't just be something that's revealed at the end, my friends. And this is where we get a little dramatic. That's going to be something that's revealed in the times coming towards the end. That there's going to be, as the Vilna Gon said, the Vilna Gon himself has a whole a process that how Mashiach would come. And Vilna Gaon, a true evolutionary, said there's going to be whole wellsprings of wisdom that will be a combination of Torah, the highest Torah from Kabbalah, he brings from the Zohar and Pashas Vieira, of the highest re new revelations of Kabbalah and new revelations of Asagas, and also that will be mixed together with the most cutting-edge science. And he says whole new tools of Tikkun Amidus, whole new understandings of how to open our heart and purify our heart, whole new tools of how to make aliyahs, how to ascend in our consciousness. And he says that the wisdom will come both from Kabbalah and the, the leading edge science, and they will actually combine together to create whole new spiritual openings in the world for all people to connect to. So if, if that's not radical enough for you, the, 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 the Rav Avon Levi of Strashelia, who was one of the main Talmudim of Shnizam Liadi, the author of the Tanya. So he has an incredible quote that he quotes from his Rebbe, who's the Balatanya, who quotes from his Rebbe, who's the Magda of Mezvich, who quotes from his Rebbe, who's the Baal Shem Tov. So we have an incredible 
incredible teaching for the Baal Shem Tov that says before the time of the Baal Shem Tov, the different, what people would do with their lives, whether they were the, the tzaddikim and the Talmidei Chachamim and their, their students, the great spiritual masters, or whether they were the, those Oisik and Masav Amata and those who were the entrepreneurs who made money, or those who were the, the Hamara Aretz, right? The, the Hamone Aretz, who were just the, the potato farmers. He says the reason that, that one would have very spi- high spiritual yearnings, the Talmidei Chachamim and the tzaddikim, is their souls all came from the world of Bria. And the ones that were in business, their souls all came from the spiritual world of Yitzhira, the lower one. And, the, and the, the potato farmers, their soul all came from the world of Asiya. But the Baal Shem Tov taught, and from the time of the Baal Shem Tov onwards, an accelerating, an accelerating rate, that the souls that were born into these, our generations would be an Ibuvi, they would be a mixture of, of, of all those properties together. So that there would be simple people, even the simple folk would actually have profound spiritual yearning and spiritual potential that all the previous generations didn't. It wasn't just for the few Yechidim who were learning Torah or meditating all day, doing his Bodidus all day. It was actually for, for the majority of people, they would have suddenly have a mixture of the high soul, the low soul, all together. So more people would have more and more abilities and more and more yearning and more and more desire for, for not superficial connection, but emotional, transformational, um, spiritual, energetic, e- extraordinary experience. The Baal Shem Tov, in his famous letter um, about the time of the coming Mashiach, he ascends to the spiritual worlds, a- as the Baal Shem Tov does, and he asks Mashiach, Master, when are you coming? And this is often quoted, misquoted, everyone he quotes when the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov will go around the world. Isn't that what we hear? So it's not actually what the letter says. You just have to read it a little better. What, 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 the, what he actually says is when the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov come around the world, which teachings are they? And then it goes on to say when the whole world will be able to do Elias and Yehudim, to ascend out of their body, to ascend their consciousness in a higher the world and unify the world in its spiritual root and in the unified field, the highest states, right, behind the, the matrix of reality, when we'll be able to separate out of our bodies and raise our emotions, our middathala, our middas up to higher consciousness, what all these words mean, uh, advanced meditation techniques. The Mashiach told the Baal Shem Tov, that the sign that I will be close is when the whole world will be able to do these things like you too can do them, Baal Shem Tov, like you too can do them. So what we're seeing is the Vilna Gaon, the Baal Shem Tov, many Siddiquim, the Zohar itself sends, my friends, that at this time before the end of days, even children in the Cheder, young children, will know the deepest secrets of Kabbalah, like the, the Kabbalists knew from previous generations. Because there's a whole new generation of, of spiritual opening, the spiritual insight of purification of the heart, purification of emotions, um, to open up our consciousness, to connect us more infinitely. Um, yes, Chacham Adif Menavi, that a person who's intellectually wise in Torah is greater than a prophet, that's what I say to say. But I think people misquote that and misunderstand the context of that statement. Surely that's not saying that Moshe Feinstein, as, as, as an Adam Galadi was, is greater than Moshe Rabbeinu or great, greater than Adam Arishan, right? Of course we hold that a Navi is greater than a Chacham, but I think what, what our sages were teaching, it's clear when you think about it, is for this Tekufa, for this period of time, Hashem has needed us to focus on our Chachmah, our, our Yediyah Satorah, our Bina, our Seichel, and make that Kenyan in the deeper sense. 
but there's no doubt but the shlemus of, of, of humanity, the, the perfection and potential of humanity is that we are children of prophets. And as children of prophets, all of our sages say throughout all of history that there's a time when that will open up and that will be returned to, to all of humanity, all of Klyoswell and all of humanity. Even Arya Kaplan says when we're waiting for Mashiach, when we say Mashiach should come, Arya Kaplan has a beautiful Torah. He says, realize Mashiach is the anointed one. He's the king who's the anointed one. And who anoints a king? A prophet. And where do prophets come well, from? Well, you have to have schools of prophecy, schools of that wisdom. And he therefore he says, way before Mashiach gets here, we're going to have to have schools of advanced Jewish meditation where people go and learn those techniques. Now, this is just me beginning to warm up. Is everybody hearing what we're saying to begin with? I realize someone's sending me a personal message. Obviously, I'm not going to have time to respond to personal messages. But Basha, have I lost you yet? Are you still with us? This is just, now that's the, that's the abstract stuff. Now just, we're going to bring it down to reality. I told my wife to start packing the suitcase because I'm getting ready. But, but now it's me after that. We're all there. You're getting ready to go to the Super Bowl because you're giving up on me? I don't know what the Bethino uh, no, 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 is getting LA, ready to do. It's done. But let's, let's talk okay. tackle. Bottom line. Okay, so we got it. Okay, let's talk tackle this. So, so now we're coming down to earth. You ready? Crash landing. Imagine right now the following thing. We could all close our eyes. And no, this is not a practical exercise. Bear with me. And we can begin to watch our thoughts and, and watch our emotions, not identify with them, not to say, oh, no, I'm angry and upset and I can't believe that thing's coming up tomorrow and I can't believe that thing happened yesterday or 40 years ago and let's fixate on that and collapse into myself by a, a flood of emotions and pain. But I could rise above that and I could nullify my ego consciousness, what's called bitter my das tacton, and let it dissolve. And then I could rise up level after level to the shurish of my neshama, the root of my higher consciousness. And there in that place, I would be flooded with so much light and awe and kedusha and chiyas and chokhmah and all these incredible experiences of divinity that I would feel outside my body and above space-time, l'malam in azman, l'malam in makam. And I could mamish see and feel Hashem, like a mitzias. I don't have to believe intellectually in Hashem, but Hashem would be real and be for me. Lace machshava to fizabe klal. Our sages say that your, your, your mind can never understand the divine, but, but the, the, the siddiquim who were masters of these techniques, they said your intellectual, your seichel can't grasp Hashem, but your chachma, your divine soul, your non-dual awareness can. And in that moment when you felt melted with everything, imagine this was real for you. Suddenly you had such a strength and a muna, such a clarity that Shem was with me through all my challenges that literally for the next 10 years of your life, you would feel less stress, less worry, less pain because you know, know so fe felt directly experienced that Shem was with you. Imagine in that place, whatever you thought of, you could get answers to. The Baal Shem Tov says, it's Ruach HaKodesh Ma'at. You would get divine downloads, to clarity to your biggest problems, what they're there for, how to attack on them, that you could use that light to release stress, to release anxiety, to release depression. Depression is the sense that I'm alone and abandoned and isolated. But once I bring that fear itself up to the sense of I'm one and unified and loved with everything, then there is no more room in your heart for anxiety or stress or depression. People, imagine you could be in that state and a person had physical illness and when they came out of that state, their illness, even, you know, real illness, like, like yena machla, like multiple sclerosis, real things happening in the body and the nervous system could be transformed or healed. Imagine the benefits psychologically, you know, how would that change your community? Imagine if, if everybody could do that once a month, you would get together and everyone would blow out of their body had experience. Imagine you could do that once a week. 
Imagine it was possible to do that three times a day when we, when we daven. So when I say that to, to the audience that I say that to, there's some of you who go, you know, wishful thinking, are you going to do that? Who's going to do that? Now, what drug is going to do that? But there are many people today and many people in this audience who not only think that could be nice in theory, but know that's nice in practice because they've experienced it. And there's thousands and thousands of, of people that I've met, you know, through our, our project that we teach around the world, online seminars and retreats, that learn to experience it themselves. And there's many Torah teachers who have begun to experience this, and many great tzaddik have begun to write about this. Because this is an experience called Devekas. And Devekas has two elements. As the Rebbe Rishab said, that tefillah every day is supposed to be Devekas. And the essence of tefillah is two things. One is called devakus. Devakus means we transcend out of our lower consciousness, unite with the divine source. And then we use the light, wisdom, clarity, energy from that. The second part of tefillah is to a bureau of, of the Nefesh Bahamas, is to purify our ego, our lust, our fear, our doubt, our shame, give us clarity, give us strength, give us healing. Now, when I was 23, 24 years old, I didn't have a black hat of a beard. I was born Jewish, but I knew nothing of our, our Masorah, our tradition. But I went on a Buddhist meditation retreat, a 10-day Buddhist meditation retreat where you sit on the floor, you basically breathe in and out for 10 days. And this is not that whole story, but I want to let you know, and I'm really only saying this is a conversation starter. I hate to talk about my own spiritual experiences. I'd much rather teach other people how to have them and get them to talk about them. So I'm just talking now representing hundreds of thousands of people in our communities that have this experience. And, and not at all to say I'm better or worse or anything because of these, but very, very briefly, around the fourth day of this Buddhist meditation retreat, I blew out of my body and I had exactly the experience that I previously defined. I didn't know or believe in God at the time and knew nothing about Torah at the time. Being Jewish didn't personally mean anything to the time, but in one moment of excruciating pain, while I was sitting on the rug, not moving for since four o'clock in the morning, it was probably about three, three o'clock in the afternoon then, I felt my entire consciousness dissolve and collapse. I felt I expanded into this infinite field of awareness. I saw all my lifetime of histories of fear and pain and, and troubled thoughts spiraling, just completely detached from them. And I felt so flooded with light and expansive love and energy that it literally transformed my life. Um, and in that, I stayed in that state for about five days, every day from morning to night. And anything I would think about, questions that I have, I would have incredible downloads or insights into myself, what other people needed, what needed to be done in my life, what the purpose was. And, and then after I left that retreat, I was able to maintain that if I did the practice for weeks after. Now, that's not an exciting spiritual experience vis-a-vis what happens in the world. I'm telling you, that, that first of all, that's what happened to me. Now, in the Torah world, they say, well, that's Buddhism and that's Avodah So I want you to know there was no Avodah in that particular place or that particular group A, and everything they taught us existed in Torah. Everything they taught us there, I've seen now countless times in countless Torah for over a thousand years. And it made me kind of go, wow, at that moment in my life, suddenly everything got shelved and the spiritual search of what is the meaning of life and how it connects you became the goal. Now, I'm not going into one of the most powerful spiritual experiences of my life, but I'll tell you that about two years later, after I'd started to learn a little about Judaism, but nothing very much, I had, and I don't like to tell the story publicly, though I have suffered through it a few times, but Rashi Prakam, as they say, I found as a young man living in Melbourne, Australia at the time, I went to bed one night. I was my soul was taken up to a higher world. 
I spoke directly to an angel that I didn't really know was an angel at the time. It gave me a special message, and the message was to a young secular man um, that the, in the Shabbos coming, I should keep that Shabbos. And I should understand what Shabbos is and learn about Shabbos, and a gift would be given to me on that Shabbos. And I'm not here to tell you that whole story now. Um, if I ever get invited back again, we could go into that story. But it was the most supernatural experience in my life. When I kept the Shabbos that week, the whole Shabbos, I was in Devekas, I was just put in a state. Let me be clear, there was no drugs, there were no psychedelics, there was nothing involved. I never did those things when I was 24, 25 at least. Um, and, and that was a gift given to me. That's how I, I t became on the Torah path because I had this supernatural experience and I spent 24 hours in such a high state. And then I was told if I now go and learn Torah and learn Hasidus and Kabbalah, we will understand how to live Shabbos on that level. Unfortunately, after that, when I went into the Torah community and I tell them what Shabbos is like for me, you know, Shabbos became three dinner parties and a couple of long naps, right? And it was very, very hard to find people that I could express that to. Though over time, I found that. When I came to Yeshiva, I remember opening up Svarim, like, like a Tanya, with a, a certain Rebbe was teaching. Um, and I looked down at the time in chapter 18, it's like, oh, oh, I have done that, I've been there. And there was a Baal Shem Tov teaching about, you know, this kind of state. I said, oh, I've done that, I've been there. And the, the Rebbe mocked me. He said, what, you think you're a tzaddik? That's only for tzaddikim, that's not for everyone. And I said, I, I don't think I'm a tzaddik. I'm certainly not more of a tzaddik than you. But, but what was that? And, and what I found is there's more and more people in the film world, in, in the non-film world, that had had these experiences that I could find and talk to. But it was very, very hard. I'd get slammed down in Yeshiva. I'd get slammed down in different places if I spoke about them as reality. And what I started to do is I started learning myself. And over the years, I spent like the better part of a decade being malakat, thousands of makoras, collecting many, many sources. From, from Chazal, from the Bali Musa, from the Rishonim, the Achronim, for sure the, the Hasidic masters that spoke about not only is this, not only what that experience was and the levels of consciousness that you attained and where in the world that was and what angel that was and how you can induce that yourself and activate your consciousness to do that and, and how to purify your mind so you're more able and subtle and sensitive to open that and how necessarily that's, and how fundamental that is to Torah and mitzvahs. It's on the first page of Shulchan Aruch, if you know where it is. And I found more and more Rebbe speaking about it. Now, I don't know if you know the Sefer Choredim, actually says in the name of the Uriah Kadosh that if a person should once a week at minimum once a month go and spend one day nine hours doing his bodhidus he says you see yourself surrounded by incredible light and you see the light is pouring down upon you and and you connect to Hashem he said you spend nine hours purifying yourself what one at least once a week he says and he says that that transforms and purifies a person's heart and mind he says more than seven times what you would get learning Torah more well, than seven times learning Torah. Rav Avraham, the son of the Rambam, has a whole book about how, what his bodhiness is to, to elevate your consciousness from the noise of the mind. The Shulchan Aruch talks about these things in depth. The Piyazetzna, the Besh, the Baal Tov, all talk about these techniques. I begun to teach this around the world and more and more when you teach this, thousands of people have come to our seminars, retreats online and they tell their stories. And as we taught this around the world, these aren't just high experiences. You teach this to children. We've been in, in seminaries in Montreal, in Passaic, in South Africa, and, and, and you teach children how to daven with Kavana, how to feel Hashem. And even in a session, they can have extraordinary breakthroughs. It's unbelievable. We, we, 
there was, I, I can tell you countless stories. There's a woman in, in, uh, in South Africa that we taught a meditation technique in a three-hour workshop. And, and Baruch Hashem, it was amazing to see the experiences that 500 people were having in a room. Um, and people were coming up to the end and asking questions. And this woman came up to the stage and she was completely secular. Um, I was told she had no background in Torah. She didn't know really very much. And she was crying and crying. And she said to me, it took a while to, to get her words together. And I said, are you okay? And she said, that was the most amazing experience of her life. And then she held out something, says, Rabbi, do you know what this is? And she held out a picture. And I said, of course I know what it is. She said, do you? And she said, no. So I said, she said, this is what I saw that was up there. And I, I felt that I should ask you. And I had a sefer with me of Sifrei Kabbalah, and it was an exact map of the Sefirot. And I just held up the, the, the sefer that I had. I said, do you mean this? And I said, these are the Sefirot. This is what the Siddiquim saw when they went up to the wall. And she just burst out crying, and they had to take her off the stage. Um, there, there are so many stories to tell. So this idea about what if, what if we could do that? So the truth is not only can we, the truth is all our sages and all the Svarim HaKadoshim, our traditions say that we can, that we should, that in our generation there'll be an unprecedented need to. And that more than that, that gifts and matanas will open up, that people will be able to do that for religious, for secular, for the whole of the world. Now, our communities have done the Torah community is extraordinary things. We've made it so long, the Torah is so strong and Chazak today. It's really a nice nigla, without a doubt. But traveling the world, we also know our, our communities have many problems. We've been through tremendous trauma of 2,000 years of Gullus. There's tremendous disconnect. It's not about you know, the kids at risk, it's we're talking adults at risk, we're talking mitzvahs and Asha Milamada on an epidemic level. Many of our, about many Siddiquim I've sat by, they're all crying over this, they're all talking about this that it's possible today that you could keep Tariag mitzvahs in theory, but, but still feel deeply disconnected. And we see those problems in our schools. We see those problems with our precious kinderlach that after 20 years of a Torah education feel so disconnected from Hashem that they don't want to keep mitzvahs at all. And we often feel, as the, as the Piazesna warns us, that sometimes they're not the worst neshamas, sometimes they're the strongest neshamas. Sometimes they felt so, so that the Torah chinuch they got was so superficial, that the lifestyle was so disconnected, that, that there's neshama screams. The neshama screams, I, I would like anything. I would like to, to, to find another path to spiritually connect. The Piyazesna says that the teva of the heart is it wants to feel, it wants to feel awe, it wants to feel fear, it wants to feel love. And if we can't find that in Kedusha, if we can't teach the Arkindalach, how to feel love of Hashem and tremendous awe and have spiritual connection, then the heart of a good heart of our Kindalach will be so hungry, as the Pindasa says, it will go to the four corners of the world to find anything that gives it that experience. And it's our job to give our communities the deepest connection, emotional transformation and healing and high spiritual connection, so we don't have to seek it from the four corners of the world, we can find it within ourselves. Today, um, we teach online teacher training in meditation and consciousness, and we have so many Jews that come and do our course um, who have studied, also religious Jews for sure, who have studied so many secular meditation techniques or shamanism or Buddhism. I, I, have, I know friends from, in America who've said Tony Robbins or Landmark or Eckhart Tolle, their retreats are so full of Torah Jews today that they, they do their own Shabbatons there, they do their own Shabbos meals, they bring in their own Kiddush, because there's a cheshik happening for transformation 
uh, even secular Jews are usually leading these, these Buddhist meditation retreats. Usually they're the ones, Mindfulness Movement America is literally created by, a, you know, all a group of secular Jews that literally created, whether it's John Kabat-Zinn, whether it's Richard Davidson, whether it's Daniel Goldman, whether it's Sharon Salzberg, whether it's Ram Das. That, you know, it, there's a deep yearning. So you see the secular Jews who are learning, who are leading in innovation of personal transformation meditation. And you see, and you see religious Jews who are not finding that in Torah. And the more they have a spiritual awakening, they're, they're running to sometimes not good sources, not healthy sources to learn how to do that. And it seems to me that the obvious thing to say is there's so much need now that's never been before. And there's so many new tools and resources coming in that's never been before. And it's such an important part of Torah from all the mainstream sources that it seems to be a critical moment in time that we could bring new tools, research, wisdom to the table to transform our communities and selves emotionally, to improve our lives, our Kedusha, our Amuna, and create a whole new future of possibility. Now, this is the little introduction. Now I'm going to say something more controversial. I just want to check in. Asha, you stood with me, Coach Menachem. Now I want to talk about the P word. Do you two want to check in with any personal questions that's relevant so far? I'm right now, I'm right now in the state of meditation. Continue. Wow, you see how powerful my words are? Just knocked Asha into Das Elyon. Moyodik, Moyodik. What's the P word? So, the P word. So, the P word is the Shem is upping the ante. So the scene is set that at the darkest time of the period of history, what we call Eurydice Adorus, when we get to the, the bottom of the Babel, the Siddiquim say, the Leshem says, Rabbi Nachman says, there's actually something called the Leah Sidorus. Rather than the, the consciousness of the generation going down from Sinai, there's something that comes in called an Or Choyza, that, that, that the consciousness of Kalisal actually begins to expand and open up when we hit the rock bottom, so to speak. Uh, and therefore, there's a deep spiritual seeking and the greater yearning that we have in our communities have for emotional health and spiritual connection, the less satisfied we're going to be with what's there and the more we're going to break down doors and open to search, search, search seek and find new opportunities. So as that's happening, there's something else that is happening today, not just in the new age hippie world, but in the, in the academic spheres, in the research depart, part, departments, it's what's called the psychedelic renaissance or the psychedelic revolution. That plant medicine and the wisdom of plant medicine that until now mostly had been in the hands of shamanistic traditions around the world. Um, and the LSD movement that was already from the 1950s, which was supposed to already the 1950s, was actually created by psychiatrists and tested to be a game changer in the field of psychiatry, was, was basically shut down by the US government for political reasons at the time. So in our generation, it has come to pass, also from the initiative of a lot of leading edge Jews in the scientific world, in the research world, who have started to do started to bring these tools and technology right, back I, to the I table. Second, I just want to tell everybody here, two weeks ago, sure. we had a session with a big therapist in the Tri-State area, Rabbi Dr. Um, Dr. who was Rabbi Moshe Weinberger's son-in-law, and he was a very powerful session. 75% of people had no idea what we were even talking about, but I'll just give you the little background because I'm not so familiar with it, but then I heard it, I was blown away. Basically, all psychedelic medications, um, their, their, their research is showing and they're actually becoming legal, even though they're around for 70, 80 years, these medications. LSD is not legal yet, but ketamine he's administering in his patients 
and they're going into deep, deep places. And a lot of people are doing this, whether you want to say on the record or off the record, there are people that are doing all these psychedelic trips, whether it's with medication or ayahuasca and all these different things for healing, for self-growth, for feeling a God and all these mystical things. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just blown away by it. And just, just to tell you what the research is showing, all the medications that they're using today for antidepressants and all these types of mental illnesses are really band-aids just trying to hold the condition down versus some of these medications, which they hope in the next few years will actually cure part of the brain, the way the DNA of the brain works. It was just amazing to hear. It's fascinating. And they're administrating to people that are terminally ill. And after they take some of this medication, they're not scared of death anymore because it's, you know, taking the, how do you say it? The, the yeshus, the, the me out of the, of the context. So just want to bring it out, you know, while he continues this, this is a huge thing that's happening in the psychological world that all the therapists know about it. People are using it today. And I'm talking about legally, besides all the other people, not the drug addicts, we're talking about regular, I don't use the red button, therapists and people that are using it recreationally and feeling these, I want to say almost crazy experiences and they, they see things and it's, it's mind blowing. I'm not, whatever, I'm just bringing it so, out. Let's continue. Uh, I no, you saved me a lot of time. This is what I want to talk about. Now, Usher, you were cynical I, I going in. You, you were cynical I'm, going in to the previous session with him, but now you came out finding it fascinating. So, was it was it interesting for you in the world in the end? Yes, because I'm talking to some of the biggest therapists, and I'm doing this, and and they're telling me what's going on, and I'm speaking right. to some of the therapists. They're, they themselves are doing it, and I have friends that are doing it, and they're saying all these things. And I'm a big anti. I'm a big. This to me is very. You know, you want to feel this. That I, it sounds all good, but to me, it sounds very drug addict. I just want to tell everybody listening that as much as maybe people might think you're from that world and that maybe that's that you're a little bit your planet. I'm saying this is reality. I'm dealing with this and I'm yeah, this is this is what I want to talk about what what he said, but I want to take it to the next level. He gave you know very nicely the the meat and potatoes, right? I I want to tell you this is not my for my world at all. And I'll tell you I know about if somebody asks at the end, I'll tell you how I personally know about it. But up to you know a year ago, I basically didn't know about this at all. So you know, I've been dedicated to tapping the meditation experience according to Torah. That, that's my work for the last 20, 22 years. But this is what you need to know. So as Rev. Usher said very, very clearly, this is the biggest thing happening in the world of mental health and psychiatry. And that it is in the, the top clinics and, and the I top research departments. I want to clarify one thing. Yes. Mention, the goal with the trying to go with this is the people that are living their life severely mentally ill, whether on heavy medications, lithium, all these things, and living even in the mental wards, the goal in five to 10 years is actually to give them a medication that can cure them. They can actually live healthy lives. That's, that's, that's where they're going with that. Okay, well, let, let's let, I want to, I want to talk about where they're going with that. Cause I think, I think that's true, but it goes the, you know, goes a lot deeper. So this is what I want to add. This is what's called the democratization of the spiritual experience. And this is how scientists are using it. And scientists today are now talking about mapping out mystical experiences. And this is just unprecedented. And even the scientists almost apologize when they get up to speak about this. And the reason that scientists today has to acknowledge something called a mystical experience scientifically is because they're seeing the transformational effect created by the mystical experience induced by plant medicine. And there's research being done in you know, top clinics and research departments around the world. We're talking in John Hopkins, in NYU, Imperial College in London. We're talking at Yale. Um, the top psychiatrists are, are raving about incredible breakthroughs for pe- people that are, have a tre- treatment-resistant depression, anxiety, PTSD, eating orders, addictions, physical ailments, 
right? Um, and what happens is they do a few sessions, three to six sessions of, of psychedelics, um, and they find it, you know, some, in some studies, 84% of people with treatment-resistant depression suddenly no longer registers having depression. So the psychological transformation is astonishing, and it's coming from these things called psychedelics, which can be chemically created, but most of them are, are naturally occurring. That means a Shem made it. Now, I, I just want to, I don't want to spend time talking the obvious stuff that was discussed two weeks ago in a good way. I want to take the conversation to a more controversial level. I don't believe this is controversial. I believe what I'm saying now will be the future, not because I'm a prophet. It's because many people watching what's happening understand where we need to go. And it just follows everything the Siddiquim said the whole time. On the bottom level, there's people suffering from mental health disorders. Okay? And you could put that on a spectrum of severe illness, depression, addiction, whatever that is that needs treatment. And yes, you could also include many of us who just have anger issues, emotional issues, fear issues, anxiety issues, etc. Okay, fine. They are given psychiatric medicine. They're given intense therapy that can take years or decades and find it hard to progress. They're given psychiatric medicine, which are chemicals made in laboratories by human beings, right? They have to take that medicine in an ongoing way. The medicine, psychiatric medicines, this is not me attacking psychiatric medicines, there's very good things that they can do in the world, but the, anyone who's experienced in that realm knows it can be very complex um, to find the right medicine, to find the right balance, to create the right cocktail. There's a lot of issues that symptoms that come out of it. Many people have been traumatized by the results of the psychiatric medicines they take. Um, they are often addictive or have other issues as well. And of course, they're not curative. They don't cure the illness. They just release the, 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 the patient, the client from some of the symptoms. Take a psychedelic model. This is what's being brought to the table. Now, I'm not interested in this discussion of psychedelics. I'm interested in the discussion of prophecy. And that's where this is gonna get deep. And this is where I'm taking you. So give me one minute. Psychedelics is made in nature, by and large, right? Hashem makes them. They're natural. They're taken only a few times. Between three to six times can have game-changing effect in even the most traumatized person's life, okay? They're totally safe, as safe as... They're totally non-addictive. Yes, you think drugs are addictive. That's not the drugs that are being used here. They're, they're safe, right? They're spiritually and emotionally transformative and they're curative. That means by the time you're done with them, you don't need them or any other of the psychiatric medicine that you needed to support or were even addicted to. And the mechanism of change, and this has been tested now in thousands of thousands of people, the mechanism of change, what causes the cure? Even the scientific researchers say that they suspect it's not a biochemical response. It's that the, the, the drugs themselves, the psychedelics themselves, the plant medicine itself is opening up the patient to a higher consciousness, to a deeper awareness. And in that state of deeper awareness, it itself tra transforms their consciousness and heals them. Now, if you've ever read the Baal Shem Tov, if you've ever read what the Siddiquim say, they all say all physical healing with physical ailments and emotional healing. And the whole path of Hasidus, of his Buddhist, whether it's from Rebbe Nachman, of his Buddhist in the forest, or the Balatanya, or the techniques of the Baal Shem Tov, even Yisrael Salanta to some degree, it was about opening up to a deeper awareness opening up to a deeper light and allowing that to reorder, restructure, release and heal our inner consciousness, our inner world. Now, the study and research 
of thousands of studies, clinical studies, has brought up this idea that it is this mystical experience that creates the healing. And they describe it scientifically as in a state of ego dissolution. Now, what the scientists are using today to describe what's the transformational effect is what we call bitul yesh or bitul das tachton. They describe it as a peak consciousness characterized by bliss and goodwill. So that's the vacus of, of menucha, of shalva, of menucha senefesh, of to be sitting, to be Yeshev, Ba'or, HaKadosh, and the Or Elyon, with goodwill interconnection, to feel the achness and unity between all things. As this is the scientific terms, a sense of the sacred, that's what they use, a possible loss of self, of ego, or even encounters with spiritual entities and God. I'm quoting from scientific research. Therefore, the world of science today has started to not only acknowledge that people have similar spiritual experiences, but that becomes healing. They get downloads and insight. A third of DMT smokers, 70% of LSD takers, and 12% of psilocybin users all reported encountering external entities, which is souls of Siddiquim, of spirit, what we call spiritual masters, or spiritual guides, of, of malachim, of angels, or direct connection to, a, to, a, to Hashem. And the scientists are suggesting a correlation they've seen between the more powerful spiritual experience that the, 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 the client, the student reports after, the greater the derived therapeutic benefit. And, and there's a new study that just came out at the end of 2021 from Imperial Current in London, and they say that there's a pattern that the more people take this medicine, the less they become physicalist or materialist, and the more they believe that their consciousness is, unites all of reality together, they start to see a fate or a destiny more than just the challenges they're going through in their life. And they move away from the scientific narrative of a cold and personal universe to one fulfilled with purpose and meaning. That's really astonishing. That means that this medicine, which is, what does the medicine do according to science? One, one definition of what it does is it control, closes down the conscious controlling part of the mind, which is called the default mode network. And it releases us from our ego external, our yeshus, our das taft on a lower conscious. This is their terms. And it increases a rush of serotonin because the Baal Shem Tov and the other Siddiquim say to get into Vegas, first you have to close off your ego mind, bitterly yesh, and then you create tremendous reverence and awe and you also create simultaneously tremendous love. So that's reverence and pleasure and well-being. And you flood your mind with that. And the serotonin of the brain gets flooded in, in a powerful way. It closes down the external part of the mind. And therefore, we rise up into, into a higher world and higher consciousness. So even the scientific chemical definition is aligned with the Torah's tradition of how to induce these experiences. This is, I want to read you something amazing. They actually have mystical experience questionnaire and the Aura experience questionnaire, which is they're trying to understand try to map scientifically how do we pin what, what a, a spiritual experience is. Here are six of the definitions they offer, and these are like word for word quoting from Chassidus Gabala. A sense of being outside of time, beyond past and future. This is the, all the Siddiquim say when a person's in that consciousness, it's Lamala Minazman, Lamala Minamakam, outside space and time. Certainty of an encounter with an ultimate reality. You're absolutely sure that you're standing before a Shem or divine light or one with the universe. The insight that all is one, Hashem Echad, that this is what's universally being experienced by people across the board, a sense that everything unifies. Awareness of the life 
of or living presence in all things. That everything is chiyas, everything has shefa going through it. Feeling that you experience something profound and sacred and holy. These are scientists hearing that even even human beings that don't believe in God or have spiritual beliefs are all saying they 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 sense the the sacred and the holy in all things, the fusion of your personal self into a larger whole. They even use music to induce these states as part of the, the, the clinical process for healing, for trauma therapy. Like the, the, the Nevi'im all use music to access those states. Now, what I'm going to be say is controversial now. I'm not here to tell you you should do this. I'm not here to say it's kosher, it's not kosher. All of this is the beginning of a conversation. I want to tell you that it's out there. I want to tell you that it's scientifically backed and validated. It is now, uh, it is now moving through, through a process of legalization. And, and there's some psychedelics that are legal in different parts of America. And there's many psychedelics that by 2022, 2023 are going to become legal to be used in, 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 in trauma therapy in a professional environment and it and it's going to be scientifically backed once it's scientifically backed to 100 supports anything that could heal a person and be scientifically backed i want to tell you this is not new in the torah world i want to tell you that in the last few years i know hundreds of holy hasidic yidden in Borough park who have gone to do ayahuasca retreats they've either brought shamans to Borough park um, or they've gone to costa rica and mexico to have this experience themselves I know many, many people in Lakewood and Muncie, including Mishpiyam, who for their own healing, for their own spiritual seeking, have started to find a way legally or underground to get access to these things. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I just want to talk out what's happening and why that's happening. I want you to know that the best is well known that he's healed people with plants. The Shlava Kadash says that Hashem gave knowledge to, to Moshe Rabbeinu of how the plants can be used to heal people. He says some plants heal people through, through Derech and He says some plants have a Sagulidik in nature to transform a person's life and heart and heal them, right? So many of us sages discuss the power of plants that Hashem gave a Koyach. In, in reality, this I know many from Yidden that are turning to their, for their trauma therapy. That are when a lot of our friends from Borough Park, from Muncie, um, from Yidden who go and have these experiences. What I hear all the time is they feel that they've been. And, and just don't throw this back on me. I'm just telling you what they're saying that they felt they've kept Torah and mitzvahs with all the chumas all of their life, and they've never had a connection with the Shem, and they're caught within their own pain and their own doubt. And one time they've worked so hard. This is what they say to you. Can I go, Rabbi? Is that okay? One time I've worked so hard, I would just like to feel Hashem. I would just like to feel real Kedusha. I'd like to feel that anxiety that I've been feeling since Yeshiva. One year, a beautiful year, told me that every time it's El, he wants to throw up. He literally gets sick because the pressure and the lachats is, is with him so much. And he came back and he, he told me that Mamashi, for the first time he spoke to Hashem, and he said he cried for three hours and he released all his pain. And he felt how much love Hashem was in his life. If I could tell you, hundreds of stories I've heard of you talking about this. I'm not saying run and do it. I'm not saying there's not risks. I'm not saying it's a cure-all, right? This is a complex sugya, complex discussion. I'm spending a lot of time bringing it up because I want you to understand the sugya, the sugya, the complexity. I know a family in somewhere in America, I'm not going to say more, a beautiful from family. Tragedy happened to them uh, two years ago that they lost a son, a 20-year-old Bacha. And this family is so sabach, and I was brought in a, a few months ago to see how I could help this mother who, who can't even function. For the last six months, she's been in a totally almost catatonic state of, of, of panic attacks and overwhelmed, and she can't let her son go. And we taught her how she could stop the panic attacks that were happening daily. She had to be hospitalized. And there was a chever that came in, and they helped her do a process using a very simple plant medicine. 
And in the process, which is part of the plan, what happens, she was able to speak to the neshama of her son and with so much tears and so much love. And, and she brought her husband in and they, they both spoke to his neshama. And he said that he couldn't go because he loved his mother so much and he needed to comfort her. And she gave him permission to go. This is something we saw in our own eyes and she cried. And since then, she's been a, a Bria Chadasha. She's starting to change and go and release. Right. So this is not just medicine that's transforming the world. This is medicine that's opening up such profound spiritual experiences. This is what's called the democratization of the spiritual experience. That means what would happen if every person in the world would have a prophetic experience that would see the light, see clarity, feel the healing from that. I want you to know that for some Yidin, I've had countless Yidin at my Shabbos table. Every week we're talking about psychedelics because people come from around the world to learn spirituality, secular Jews, and they end up there. And I say, how do they get there? And more and more are saying, I, I was at a retreat. I was at a, a shaman, shamanistic ceremony and I jumped in my Asura Shem and I saw Rabbi Nachman and I saw Shimon Vayachan. I don't know who that was. I saw the spirits and the light came to me. There are many Jews today that are becoming closer to Torah because of this. And I want you to know there's many Jews today that are leaving Torah and Mitzvah because of this. Because they feel all of their life they gave it to Torah and Mitzvahs, but, but no one taught them about their own heart, their own love, their own acceptance, their own light. No one taught them a whole path is to connect to the Nefesh Elokis, the divine soul within us. But for somehow, we're not blaming Jews, it's hard. We've kept the fire of Torah going, we've kept our communities going, Baruch Hashem. But, but there's something that's been lost along the way. Baruch Hashem, Hashem's letters being mashlemit right now, bring it back. So there are countless stories to tell, and I can tell more stories that interest people. And now summing up my long introduction, the Zohar, the Gra, and the Leshem all said, as I've told you before, that at the end of days, there's going to be a spiritual revelation and powerful spiritual connection and seeking that's going to come into the world. And it's going to come, the Siddiquim actually say, it's going to try and come through Torah first. Hashem's going to give new tools and techniques to the Torah Jews first. He says, if we embrace them, this is what the Siddiquim saying, this is a very hard, difficult, painful thing to say. If we embrace them, we can be leaders to the world, to teach the world about Ruach HaKodesh, of purifying the heart of trauma, fear, and doubt of loss, of opening ourselves to spiritual experience. But if we don't, if because of our catness, the Siddiquim say, we push that off, then the light and energy will flood into through the secular world, and we will have to let go of our Torah to go and get that. But the goal, the Siddiquim say, is a beautiful opportunity. The goal is that we have such profound knowledge of consciousness, of transformation, of what spirituality is, of what the worlds are, of what we can do with that. We have all the maps and we see meditation possibilities are opening up. And we see some people are finding that through psychedelics and some people are finding that through meditation and some people are finding that through personal transformation that opens them into higher consciousness. And some people just going to the cartel or Kivay Siddiquim are suddenly open to that state. They don't even know how they got there. And I believe these experiences can't be sidelined anymore. It can't be that spiritual seekers come to the Torah world and, 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 and we look at them with blank stares, like we don't know what they're talking about. It can't be from people that are spiritually disconnected and we don't offer it to them that they have to run to the four corners of the world and even tray versions, yes, to get there. These are the most vital and transformative parts of our tradition. We've totally sidelined them. They've been lost in exile. And not only should we be picking up the pieces and using them, we should be leading the way. Here are my three questions to you. Is this interesting to anyone? I'm done with my long introduction. And I'm happy to be here for hours to answer questions and have that discussion. 
My, yes. my three questions. So questions. Yes. We have polls and we want to get, we get that. Now we so, want to really bring so it down. Here, no, good. Here's my three questions to you all. Okay. Question number one. Question number one. What does Kirov Jewish outreach look like in the next 10 years if we reject these things? And what does it look like if we accept these things? When you go into outreach and there's rabbis and we're paying Jews to come to Israel and you say, what, what a busher, why are we paying Jews to come to Israel? What do we pay Jews to come to classes? And any rabbi in Kiev will tell you because Jews don't want to learn today. They're not interested. So you have to pay them, you have to buy them to get them to learn. I want you to know, I know thousands of secular Jews who are so hungry for spiritual experiences. They're running to psychedelics. They're running to Buddhist meditation retreats. And they're paying tremendous money. The money is where the moon is, just Rabbi Nachman, right? Because they are hungry for true spiritual experience. But when they come to us, we give them classes. We give them a trip to Tel Aviv, right? We, we only teach them Gemara and nothing more. What if we taught meditation and transformation and gave people the deepest experience of their lives and say, this is the path of Torah, and then deliver on a path of Torah? Because without going into it, there's a challenge in the Kirov world that when people become firm, they don't necessarily become happy, and they often don't become healthy. It's because we're building them as from yet on the outside, but we're not teaching them the inner transformation and spiritual connection, which is the source of our tradition. So I believe if we integrate to this to Kirov, we could lead the world in spirituality in the next 10 years. But if we deny this from Kirov, then many secular Jews have and will find more powerful spiritual connection through other paths. This is happening, my friends. I believe this is the big, biggest disaster in Kirov, and we're working hard to change that, but there's a lot of resistance. One, number one, what does Chinuch Bonham look like in the next 10 to 15 years? What if I've been in schools and yeshivas and seminaries? I've taught this to boys and girls. I've seen literally the teachers who are cynical say, wow, the girls come out 10 years old and say they've never done with such kavana. This is not a Daniel Katz thing. There's, there's many teachers starting to teach this, many, many curriculums out there to do that. What happens when we don't teach our boys tikkunamidus, devakus, right? Psychological well-being, emotional intelligence from secular sources, from Torah sources. What would happen if we taught this to our children in schools? That means when a, a Yid is, is 40 years old living in Borough Park, he doesn't have to one day have to run to a shaman because he's already had those powerful, beautiful experiences growing up. Yes, I've, I've, I've taught my kids how to do that. As many Yidin have today, more, not many as in a lot, but many as in more and more. What happens if we would give our children, our boys and girls, an introduction to their consciousness, to their inner work, as part of our curriculums. And the final is, what would our kahilas look like in 10, 20 years if we taught this? What would Sholem Bias look like? What would Amuna look like? What would their tefillas look like if they had tools? I'm not talking about the psychedelic part. That's a separate discussion. I'm talking if, if, if we don't teach people to that, they will want to get that to the secular world. They will get all the craziness and the wrongness that's mixed in with that. And we won't be able to integrate that. But what if we led and accepted with some of these new possibilities? What blessings and opportunities could that bring? I believe with all my heart, this is what the Baal Shem Tav and the Vilna Gan and the Ramchal and the Leshem and the Ariyakadash is teaching us that there's new opportunities coming in. And if we embrace this, I believe the future is unprecedentedly bright. But if we keep being afraid of these things and see them as outside, whether there's a Matanam and a Shemayim, then, then our communities, I believe, will have more and more problems and people will run and leave them more and more for, for external ideas, leaving us all confused. I see this as an opportunity. There's tremendous complexity. Thank you for your time and I'd love to have a conversation with you all about it now.
Wow. Okay. Definitely the shortest opening in Coach Benachem ever. <laughs> <laughs> I like you getting your records. What was it terrible? Did I lose them all, Asha? What, what, what oh, no, I think you got everybody, but I think everybody wants now to bring it down from, from, from cloud nine to cloud, you know, earth. But Seven, how, we, at least. How, how we can bring it into ourselves, who we are today, to really feel connected without taking the psychedelics and just really feel connected. Oh, well, why Some may need the psychedelics, and that's a discussion. Okay, let's let's take a poll. I'm going to give you a two-minute break. We're going to take a poll. A few questions people want to ask live. Maybe we should... Uh... Can I just make a personal request? Um, everyone's yes. sending me direct messages. No, 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 I'm no. not going to no, see no, don't, any don't direct messages. Rabbit, rabbit don't, don't look at the messages. Send all the messages to Usher Parnas. Of course, live questions go first. We're here to... I don't use the word challenge. We're here to get clarity from Rabbit Cats. This is, he teaches this. This is doing this. And I know everybody has questions because I have a million questions. So ask it if you hear, you, you you disagree, you have a different opinion, you want to understand it. He's here to he's here to ask. He's not to anyway. So let's start the poll and let everybody answer, and let's see after that long introduction what the answers are. First question: Do you feel your Torah education is lacking practical techniques of tikkunamidos or accessing a deeper connection to Hashem? Yes, no. I have no idea what this even means. That's the first <laughs> question. <laughs> you like that, right? Second question, have you searched outside the Torah world ways to, to connect deeper to Hashem now? Think of the question. That means reading a book, listening to Tony Robbins, any other way to feel more connected to God, whatever that is, without the Torah way. Yes, no, I was, I, I was or I'm actively considering. Yeah, we're sending the rabbinic police to arrest anyone that's done that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. anybody who clicks on that, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. Funny enough. Number three, should practical skills in Tikkunamidos, again, let's just clarify, Tikkunamidos means working on our eternal self, right? The Vekas closeness with God. And Jewish meditation be taught in yeshivas and in seminaries, like Rabbi Kat said. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think it's a bad idea? Yes or no? I'm not even giving a third option for that. Oh, there is. Let me decide after tonight's program. <laughs> you like that one, right? <laughs> okay, so those are the three questions. I'm giving you five seconds to answer. After we answer it, we'll share with everybody. You can see it, Rabbi Katz, not everybody can see it. And then let's open the floor. I have a few questions I really need to get to because I need some clarity on certain things. And we have a whole list of people that want to go. And um, let's all do this together, okay? Five, four, wow, three, fascinating. two, one, blast off. Okay, here we go. Let's share the results. First question, do you feel your Torah education is lacking? Practical techniques of Tikkun Amidos for accessing deeper connection to Hashem. 64% of the people here tonight feel, yes, that it is lacking. Like, we, we stop and go, that, that's oh. a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Yeah, but you have I know that. You have 21, 27% of 100% disagree with you. And I would love them to, to chime in and say, say why they disagree with you. And 9% of the people, I have no idea what this even means. That's even better. Okay. Number two, have you searched outside the Torah world for ways to connect deeper to Hashem. 37% of the people said yes. Rabbi Katz, listen to this. 59% of the people said no. And only 4% are considering. I mean, that's a lot of people that say yes. And a lot of people say no. It doesn't mean they don't want to or don't need to or aren't yearning. It just means... Just, just interesting. Either maybe they have no interest or they don't. Know. Interesting. Right, right, right. Number three, should practical skills in Tikkun Amidos, the Vegas and Jewish meditation be taught in Yeshivas and Seminaries? Interestingly enough, the 27% of the people in the first question that said they feel that they're not lacking anything, there's still 84% of the people said that should be teach. So I just 
You went through this system. I, I think pe people are sophisticated enough to, to find simcha and happiness in what they have. But they, they've also appreciated if you show them a better option, I could give my children something better than I had, then for sure they could reach for that. 84%. Okay, I mean, so those are, those are the questions. Um, do we, we Asha, can you go and show this to Rabbanim and Siddiquim? I, I think this would mechazik them in a new direction. Yeah, do that to, to right see. now. Probably just go right now. These are statistically important um, responses, I think. Okay, let's just get to a few questions and then let's not like stretch them out because there's a lot of people that want to ask. So you want to... Yeah, chick jack. Okay. Somebody sent in a question. I've tried psychedelics and crazy and had crazy experiences in it. Number one, how do I know that these spiritual experiences that I had with meditation or psychedelics that they are real and they're not a dimmion. So they're talking in a psychedelic way, like also, but maybe even in a spiritual way, you know. I'm, I'm asking personally myself because I, I don't know any of these things. You ever see sometimes we get people that get into this like really spiritual, they go to the cell or they 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 have like maybe they're laying on the floor and then the 24 hours their the soul went up. How do you know these are real things or maybe you're just living in cloud 25 and it's complete dimmion? Okay, incredibly important question. Listen very carefully, my friends. I'm going to give you two different answers, and they're both the same answer. Number one, who cares if it's Dimyon? Listen very carefully to this. All your fear is Dimyon. All your lust is Dimyon. All your Taiva, Gaiva, Kina, and Kavad is all Dimyon. So Dimyon, imagination, is a very real thing for us, to us, right? We believe most people have ego, and that's also Dimyon, and they believe it. When we take a psychedelic or we have a meditation experience without a psychedelic, the dimyon comes to us, you know, I see myself surrounded by light. Now, I want you to know that everyone from the Talmud, um, I can think of countless of the Piazetsna, for sure, the Balatanya, they all talk about how the power of dimyon to heal. That means if I see myself as going to speak in public to how many 500 people are here, that's crazy. And I'm terrified. Why am I terrified? I'm terrified because everyone's going to hate me and reject me and I'm going to stumble through the words. I'm not going to have anything to say. That's Dimyon. And then I imagine myself, you know, imagine success and eloquence and I'm giving over something important. And one person says that changed my life and made me better. So the Dimyon, a good Dimyon, as even Rev Desla says, is Metak and a bad Dimyon. The Dimyon is the bridge between the Seichel and the life. And therefore, if it's all dimyon, but it's positive, holy dimyon, then that itself is transformative. Even the basic trauma therapy, if you take IFS or parts work, when you go back to a person's inner child, which is discussion in itself, and they say, there I was abandoned by my mother at age four, and that's why I've been depressed all my life. So you show an image of positive dimyon. Imagine I come back to you then, imagine your mother's there, and there's love and support, and we give you a candy, and you feel you grow up. So positive dimyon is, is psychologically transformative. And even the study of, of neuroscience today, you know, there's been incredible studies. There's one study I read where they taught two groups how to play the piano and they had to practice the piano for two weeks. Sorry, for, for 10 weeks or something. One of them had to practice the keyboards each day using the actual fingers. And another group had to practice just imagining that they were practicing, right? And at the end of the study, the ones that imagined every day in detail came out almost as equally as the ones that physically practiced. Therefore, Dimyon itself is actually transformative of a level of neuroscience of a brain of plasticity actually restructures the brain. So there's nothing wrong with its dimyon. And you should know in Kabbalah and Chassidus, 
the way that we connect truly to higher spiritual worlds is to begin to imagine them. When I imagine the Kodesh Kadoshim, then I'm energetically telling my soul and higher consciousness what to tap into. So the second level of the question is that when you use your imagine, when I do Shvis Yashem Lenegdi Tamid, when I imagine the divine name, that opens my soul up to actual light or actual energy to true light, objective light and energy, not just dimyon. So the second answer to the question is, the first answer is, if it is dimyon, but it's channeled well, as the Bali Musa, as the Hasidic masters tell us, that's incredibly important and healthy and relevant. And the second answer I want to give you is from all the research I've done and, and, and my own experience in, in this area, it is part dimyon, like a dream, and part objective reality. And I'm, I'm pretty confident to say this, that there are many things that can happen in a, in a a psychedelic journey on, on a high meditation experience and we've done these with students around the world in meditation retreats elevation retreats and seminars we have a course online we're doing with these people every week all the time there's things that they receive which are delusion or wrong and there's a lot of things they receive which are supernatural true objective clarity i can give you countless unbelievable stories to illustrate that if we have time if you're interested um, and what you basically see is what the siddiquim say that when a person goes into a higher consciousness according to their schus according to their Torah and mitzvahs, according to their yearning, their tshuva that they do, they're more likely to receive something true and accurate as, as a message, more healing. Or if they have avavas or en energetic blocks, they're more at risk and danger of, of receiving destructive messages. Or, and that's part, of, that's part of the integration process in psychedelic supported therapy. Um, which is you do do a beer after what was the message you received what was the insight what part was true what part is helpful what part do we take what part do we release so the answer is my short answer is a lot of what's happening is real there is space for some dimyon depending on the person depending on the time but even dimyon can be transformative and is a necessary part of, of, a, of a transformational process thank you okay we have a lot of live let's knock out a bunch of live questions you ready here we go yeah Okay, you're on. Batter up. Uh, thank you, Rav Katz, for taking my question. Uh, ever since last time you were on, I started doing a lot of inner work. I was, I got introduced to many things, including the Elevation program. Um, my question is basically a little bit of a continuation of the last question, and it's a little bit of a pushback on what you said. You know, the way I was brought up in yeshiva is so much that you know, when we learn Gemara, if something can't be proved that this is the words in the Toysavis, this is the words in the Rashi, so it can't be accepted. And I was always for many years seeking spirituality because I I know that's something that was there and I was very thirsty for it. And I, a lot of the things I do with your meditation elevation program or other things I listen to, I actually could say I felt something, but sometimes somewhere in the middle of the thing, my mind just didn't want to accept, or sometimes even afterwards, it just says, unless you know this is for sure true, like maybe you're just hallucinating and, uh, you know, I'm, I go back, to, I have different uh, emotions I want to release and they just come back. So my mind doesn't allow myself, it doesn't allow it to trust the the process and accept that this is true. Moshe, that, that was, I just want to pick up, that's a beautiful word you say, my mind doesn't allow to trust. And I just wanted to ask a, a question upon a self-reflection. There's a difference to say that I want to understand if it's true, than to saying my mind doesn't allow me to trust. One is a question of curiosity, a shyla. But the other is a kasha, 
based on lack of trust. And a lot of people can't experience it because they have a fear of a lack of trust about it. Will I be vulnerable? Will I be helpless? What will other people say? Um, I may be coming a raving madman rather than being a Yerush Shemayim, the Derech of Gemara only, right? And that, you know, will I be so emotional? Will I go crazy? How will my mother and father think of me? So I, I think that, that when we work with people, the line that you just said is really a deep indicator of what's going on, that there's a trust issue. And, and many people have trust issues. And, and, and sometimes I've noticed a lot of the from Oilam, especially men, find it harder to trust to do in a work. I'm not talking about, say, psychedelics. I'm just talking about the vacas or to fill it with Kavana. Let's just talk to fill it with Kavana. There's a deep tr trust or mistrust they have to be able to open up. They're not used to that vulnerability. They're not used to that right brain thinking. They're a bit concerned what will come out or they have pain or blocks on the inside. And, and they're a bit concerned that when they open up, that's what we we're talking before the session, that, that uncomfortable feelings will come out. And, and I don't want to lose control. I don't want to be emotional. I don't want to be irrational. So that, that you know, if you were working in, in one of our sessions, Moshe, I'd say, I want you to put your attention on why it's hard to trust. And often the biggest breakthrough can come when we can learn to release that. And then we can open up to something much, much deeper. You, you should know that the, the Baal Shem Tov and other Zadikim say, the degree we can have Devekas is the degree we have Amuna. The degree we have Kavana is in our tefillah, the degree we can have trust. When you trust Hashem, you can release and open up to something greater. When we can't trust Hashem our, ourselves, then we remain locked in our cage. And, and that's not giving you Muslim, which I'm showing a, a, a path to explore that. So what is the first step? How do we allow ourselves to do that? I mean, I had a past that's because I trusted people I got bitten on, and that's probably one of the reasons I'm having a hard chance. I know. I just what so, is no, the... no, so, Moshe, well, I, I say there you go just to illustrate to everybody else. So it's, it's a textbook that what Moshe is describing is not because it's a random thing. He's had a past. He's been hurt by people, and therefore it's hard to trust and open up. That's a beautiful insight. That's not Moshe. That's beautiful. That's what happens. A lot of people can't trust Hashem because they've been hurt by other mishpiyim or they've been hurt by their mami atati or some rebbe or something. And that blocks, that blocks our heart. We can't trust. So, you know, I, if I'm happy to just make this a personal intervention uh, um, session, but I know we have a lot of ground to cover. So for now, I, I just want you to be able to put your hand on your heart and put your attention on the lack of trust. And don't buy into it that it's really a kasha on Devekis or as Buddhist or connecting to Hashem. It's not a kasha. It's really a fear. And I want you to look at it with love and compassion. And I want you to say, I totally understand why based on your history, it's very, very hard to trust. But what we're doing right now is a whole new, is a whole new possibility. This is something that's worthy of trust. You're trusting yourself and you're trusting your souls. You're trusting the divine. And that's a mitzvah, say, devaisa. And, and that's a process just to be able to witness that. Just be able to put your attention on that, Moshe. Just to see what's going on. Not let the kasha be projected out on the meditation on the mahalach, but let the kasha be invested in on why it's telling you that, that you're not worthy of being loved and supported by Hashem, that you have something to be afraid of. And, and that's, that's, we can't do that now, but that's the beginning of the path. Have rachmanis on yourself to be more rachmim from shemaim. And you'll, you'll take that a step at a time. Hashem should bless you to, to find the right people, the right shalich, to help you open that up. And if you look at it with love in yourself, you'll be the right shalich. There's nothing better than that. Hey, Murray, the Grabby Cats, let's go to the next one. You're on Chazar. <laughs> Hi. Um, this is sort of a continuation of the other two as well. I guess the nature of 
these experiences and you talk about the use of drugs or psychedelics i was i'm trying to try to track down a memoir actually this woman who um well she she was had all these mystical experiences and went to a, a psychiatrist and he thought she was bipolar he gave her you know lithium and all that and and she became you know, really down to earth and productive and really changed her life. But she noticed that she no longer had these mystical experiences and she began to question the whole nature of the, obviously this is more a secular book. And I was questioning, you know, kind of wondering, you know, I don't even know if the woman was Jewish, but I, I was wondering, can, I mean, have you seen these, you know, these drugs, medications do the opposite. Well, well let, let's be clear, Kaisawa. Yeah. Lithium is not a plant medicine that's used today in, in this context. Oh. Lithium is used to ground people as psychiatric medicine from these yeah. kind of um, um, destabilized states. So yeah. th that unfortunately is one of the problems of psychiatric medicine. Listen, not even more controversial and something I don't think we're ready as an oil to deal with is the discussion whether whether this is not my discussion, this is discussed in top places, whether psychotic breakdowns um, yeah. are, are really open, a person having a spiritual experience, but not having the container of the mind to be mm -hmm. able to control that. And then if it overwhelms and takes them down. So lithium oh. is part of psychiatric medicine of yeah. the old school. Right. But today oh. there's a whole new discussion. What if you talk to someone like that? Now, we often don't with those people yet give them psychedelic experiences because that oh. could destabilize someone who has, you know, who has uh, a mental illness like that, for lack of a better word. And, and but, but lithium is not part of the psychedelic medicine um, medicine case, oh. so to speak. That, that's what's used, unfortunately, traditionally or, or positively when a person needs it to sedate the mind to not allow it to open up. And the tragedy is a lot of people in psychiatric medicine find that it, it stops them from having their illness. It creates other symptoms, but it often they often feel deeply disconnected from their own emotions. They often feel unstable for many years after. I know oh. there's people here right now that have experienced that and told me. So it, it's only the best that science could do at the time, but no one believes it's the future. And there's been a real deep stagnation right. for the last few decades in psychiatric medicine, and nothing's really come through to be innovated on the next level until psychedelics are today. Oh, thank you. Okay, next question, you're on. Um, question that uh, something that causes a little needs maybe a little clarification. When you see a non-Jew taking psychedelics and getting to a spiritual place, what does that mean? What's the difference between a non-Jew and a Jew? Is that real? And what is the difference? Do we get to different places, or what's the basic? Um, Fantastic. Answer? Okay, thank you. So it's a very important question for people in the religious world because we've been a bit a little miseducated. I, I want you to know that according to many many of the Swamikadoshim. A Jew can have devakas. First of all, a Jew is chayiv in, in learning Torah. Jews, uh, sorry, a, a, a non-Jew is chayiv in learning Torah. A non-Jew is chayiv in tefillah. A non-Jew is chayiv in, in, in tikkun amidus and all these things as well. In Yichud Hashem, understanding Hashem runs the world. So according to Kabbalah, even though this is not known, a non-Jew actually has their own bechina of a divine soul. Right, and and that's the, stated in, in the Kit Vayri. It's 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 the divine soul from the Etzadas Tovera, not from the Etzchayim. But that therefore, I I I'm sorry if there's any non-Jews listening that I have to speak about it this way. But according to many of the Zadikim, it's a no-brainer, obvious thing that a Jew and a non-Jew has a higher soul, a lower soul, 
that we're here to metak in the lower soul and that we, we have to learn to, we have to meditate and we have to daven, etc. So there's no doubt at all. So the, the only question is, um, the only question is, you know, it, there's, there's a unique light and unique potential that a Jew can have, which is benenavim, a gift that we can have that, a gift of innovation, a, a deeper desire to more naturally connect to Hashem, a deeper, to be mysterious nefesh for, for Hashem and Torahs. So there's a particular flavor, color, talent, a gift that we have, which is not, you know, which is a responsibility, which I don't believe we're necessarily living up to yet. Um, but can a non-Jew as an individual have all these things? There's many Siddiquim that say this in depth. Absolutely. Of, absolutely they can. Of course that they do. And also like a Jew, according to their own spiritual yearning, according to their own spiritual desires. You know, remember that there's a Chazal, there's a famous Chazal that says every Jew and non-Jew, every man, woman and child can have Ruach HaKodesh, can have divine inspiration, prophetic Ruach HaKodesh, according to their level of, of commitment and spiritual mastery. That's Odi Chazal. And, and this is the Nakuda they're speaking to. I, I think there's a busha that we need to think about as Fum Yidin, is why, why are they so much about mastering and understanding this experience, and we haven't yet stepped into embracing that and exploring that ourselves. I believe in some ways it's a rhetorical question because more and more that is happening in our generation, in the Fum communities, in Kirov communities, especially in Bali Tshuva who became Fum, and, and unfortunately, I know a lot of my friends like this who Hashem, live, live a life of Torah mitzvahs, but many years later felt they were never given the tools to connect themselves, heal themselves, connect to Hashem. And they're starting, you know, more classes, seminars, workshops. They're <laughs> doing more of these things because they have more of a cheshik that's alive for them. But, but it, this is open to everybody. And yes, there's a particular gift and particular depth that we can bring to the table as Yidin. Sri, I'm, I'm curious to know how you respond to that answer. Okay. Well, he, he wants, no, no. I already beat him. Can we go to the next question, Robert? Yeah, sure. Okay. Speak right in the box. It's uh, interesting to me whether some yet resent that answer. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought along with the lines of that, but it's confusing. It, it's, it's a confusing thing for you to understand to get through. Right. So I, I think there's a lot of deep, complex thoughts that that from you didn't have in environments where they see not secular Jews or non-Jews have these experiences and it's very hard for them to understand because we feel through our Torah and mitzvahs we should be more shy, more able, more open to those experiences and in theory that's true <laughs> in practice for complex reasons we should or shouldn't talk oh, about here. What, what it, it, it doesn't end up Lamaisa being true, yes. What is the source of the Chazal about Rich HaKodesh for Goyim? Um, it's, uh, I can send it to you. Um, if, if, if Asha or Coach Menachem have a way to get source sheets, I'm happy to get source sheets. It's a famous Chazal, um, and I'll share that with you. It's, it's Moiradik. It's Moiradik. Okay. Okay. Rabbi Katz, Moiradik, next live question you're on. Asha, are you bored yet? No, not at all. I'm, getting, I'm starting to get warmed up a little bit. Okay. Well, go figure. Yeah. Hi. Do you hear me? Yeah. Name's... We can. Shalom, um, Abby. First of all, I just want to agree with you amazingly about... Uh, you know, as one who's uh, been down the road years and years ago, uh, it's not something that's unique to Goyim, that they're seeking this experience. Jews and Jews and Jews have been in, <laughs> yeah, to the Dalai Lama, to the Buddhism, everywhere they are. What the problem is, is I think you said it very well, it's the training that we have in Yeshiva, that those experiences, not so much the training, but the exclusion of that training in Yeshivas to the excessiveness of the training that focuses just on the, the rational mind. Uh, but having made that comment, um, 
my question is really that for someone who uh, who has is in need of therapy, where there's disconnects that are maybe very deep and very painful. I mean, it's clear to me that these kinds of medications are tremendously useful. But what I want to ask is for the average bloke, uh, that is the average bocher and the average natal in, 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 in yeshiva and in, in learning Torah, I'm wondering, we have a whole section of Torah, you've alluded to it in the teachings of Kabbalah, the teachings of, of, the, of, 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 of ethics, the teachings of, and we have a whole process, uh, basically Torah Sachasidus teaches everything in terms of going and I'm not talking about just naming these experiences, that we know that we have teachings which teach us that there is a state higher than reason. There is a state yeah. of breakthrough into spirit. But Hasidus teaches how to do that in practical mm -hmm. avoidance. So why mm -hmm. do we jump to that? Why do we need to jump to the plant and the drug before we take okay. a look, not a look, but inculcate the avoidance of Hasidus as part of yeshivas? Fine. Okay. So Avi's question comes down to a simple and important one. Why, as Torah Jews, should we look to plant medicine when we have incredible sources already from Hasidus that te teach this, number one? Okay, just here's my, yes. Not only we have the sources of what the experiences are, we have sources oh, of how to do, it. to do the avoidance to experience them. Avi, that's what I do for a living, right? We bring those sources into the back to show people how to do it, as do many other teachers who are teaching this more and more today. The simple answer to your question, you ready? The first answer to your question is, we shouldn't. We shouldn't run to psychedelics, right? But we should get our wheels turning on teaching Devekis, Tikkunamidas, personal transformation, emotional development, uh, mental resilience, emotional resilience, higher spiritual connection, Kavana Interfila, feeling Hashem's love, Avas Hashem, Yuras Hashem, we should get our act together and teach this in our schools, yeshivas, seminaries, in our communities. In, in one workshop, I can show people how to dive in better with Kavana, right? It's, it's easy, simple techniques that in the Musas form as well. We don't need in that sense a, to create a revolution in our only communities. We have all the resources and all the tools already on the page. We just have to remember that they're there realize that we're lacking them and bring them back to the table, make them accessible. That's number one. Number two is because we've been in exile so long, Abby, some people are so blocked with so much pain. They have what's called Tim Tumalev. They're surrounded by energetically, psychologically emotion clippers. They in so much of addiction um, that they really can't even get the traction in the basic techniques of Jewish meditation. And you could send them off to therapy and there's advanced like IFS, EFT, advanced therapeutic techniques that are so much faster, more deeper, more impactful. EMDR that's literally written by the Baal Shem Tov. EMDR is literally in the Baal Shem Tov 300 years ago. But here's the key point. Um, what people, some people have so much blockage that it takes them years of normal therapy or a year of, of good therapy to get there. Now, what if you had someone in your family, Avi, that's struggling with trauma, that's breaking apart shalom bias, that's overwhelmed with anxiety? So you would send them where? To a decent therapy? You would send them to the best therapy possible that would take a year? What if I told you that in three weeks they could have a shift and transform it using plant medicine that Hashem made that is scientifically approved and backed? So at that moment, another question is born. 
if I could give healing now through a matana, through an opening that Hashem brought into the world, which the Zedekim taught, the Baal Shem Tov, the Shlom, many of the Zedekim, the Zohar talked about plants having these powers and transformative effects. So then, and it actually induces healing through awareness of Hashem. It induces healing through light connection, that it strengthens the Amuna. And Amuna said the Zedekim is the root of all healing. I have classes on, 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 on YouTube you can find for free, and they talk about all the Makoras of healing. So of course, why wouldn't we give that to our loved ones? Why wouldn't we want to heal them of their trauma faster and easier? It breaks my heart when a couple comes with shalom bias and they're tearing each other apart and I have to send them to therapy and I know it's gonna take them a year and a half, right? They're gonna be arguing day and night and destroy each other in that process. And what therapy is gonna help them? It's gonna cost them, they're a young couple, they have no money, you know, they're just trying to get their house together, their life together. They're gonna have to spend $50,000 in the next year of good therapy. Right? So what if I could give them access to more and deeper healing faster right? and cheaper that, that open them up through Ruchnis to heal? Now, I believe a lot of that we can do through straight up Devekis work. That's the work I do with people. That's the work in our project, people learning how to do it, I believe. But I don't need to puzzle the power and opportunity that Hashem is giving us through the opening of the world of psychedelics. I'll tell you a, a quick story, not even a story. I once had a Talmud that needed to take Ritalin when I was teaching in Asia Torah, and he was terrified. He was like, Hashem gave me my mind. What do I need Ritalin for? If Hashem wants to concentrate, he can make it concentrate. And I, this guy was really having problems. Now today, I wouldn't recommend Ritalin so highly, but back then I was young and naive. You'll all forgive me. Um, and I called up the Amshinava Rebbe. And we asked the Amshinava Rebbe, is it mutter to take Ritalin? And the Amshin Rebbe's response was, Hashem created Ritalin to help people. If it helps you, it's a matana from Hashem. So I couldn't say less about psychedelics, which has more healing and more power and less time, is cheaper and more accessible. Again, not a cure-all, much more complexity, but I don't think ever we need to close ourselves off from that and the blessing it can give. At the same time, we need to double down on already the gifts we've been given. And I think the future is when we'll combine the two in the most powerful, beautiful way. Really Thank again. you. Beautiful. Okay, next go to the next live question you're on. Hi. Okay, so I, I, I think this is like a best segue because my question is a little similar to the topic that you were discussing, but I'm actually gonna be very frank and personal. So, so um, I'm a, mainstream from women and um i'm also um maybe what i could call just spiritually sensitive or spiritually yearning <laughs> and sure. um and i'm surrounded Beautiful. by and i'm surrounded by other women in in the same realm as well and um and i i consider it i consider it a, a huge blessing um, and, and and therefore, just to, just to give you that validation, what you're saying is resonant on very very many levels for me as well as for my friends. Um, so I, a couple of years ago, dipped into um, um, dipped into self help and healing as well as transcendence through secular literature. And you know, I know this was available. Um, you know, the same authors have have retreats and they have. Uh, you know, online courses and, and YouTube videos, but I, I, I'm a reader and I was doing, I was doing the reading and the material mm -hmm. was unbelievable. It was, it was really, really beautiful. And I, at that point was not aware of 
of, of material like that in, in Torah sources. Maybe I was like slightly aware. Um, um, okay, now um, to take that a step further, what, what I, because I'm a searcher um, and a, 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 a real, I, I, I like, like, like a bee will go for the nectar, I want the truth. And over time, I became aware that even though there was kind of a nullification of ego um, and, you know, and a oneness um, in that, but it really, really stopped at the point of ego, which was kind of asking, what does this one need from me? So, um, so that realization kind of helped me realize that when I'm taking this from secular so sources, I'm taking it with a distortion, I'm getting it with a, um, I'm getting it with an undercurrent that isn't, that isn't 100% truth. And because of that, um, as well as because I watched people around me and friends who were spiritual seekers kind of stop, meaning they were getting filled in very interesting ways, but it wasn't turning them into necessarily better people, more healed people. I was watching them go down a very strange, almost like what I started calling a rabbit hole. And um, so I, what I did was that I slowly kind of weaned myself off it and opened myself up to a tremendous amount of Torah sources. And the more I looked for it, the more it was there. Um, and you've been on my radar for a while as well, um, even though we haven't tapped into it. But, um, but I've begun learning Hasidic Sfarim as well as Tanya and, and reaching out to um, from teachers who teach in this kind of way. And it, there's a world of a difference. But as I'm listening to you, I'm hearing you say that, you know, that there is reason to, yes, the, the, the secular sources, they're, they're, they're wrapped beautifully and they're packaged easily. And, you know, whether we're talking about the books or the, or the, or the retreats or the, or the psychedelics, they're so easy to tap into. And the Torah sources are hard, but I've, I've come like, to the understanding that there is a reason that it's hard. It builds a vessel to contain the light. Hard, you know, hard work is 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 valuable work. Easy work very often is cheap work. And I've seen it. And I see you shaking your head. So I want to hear what you. No. Have so to say. and let me just jump in. I'm, I'm going to have to refer to you as CK because that's what it says. First of all, I 100% resonate with your experience, and it, it's exactly aligned for the point of view of validation of of experience of so many people I've spoken to, and and it basically looks like deep spiritual sensitive souls. Again, I'm not judging, I have no tiners in the world. We're just, I'm telling different people's stories so we hear a greater picture. There's many people that consider themselves from Yerushalayim, traditional Yiddin or their life of Hashem. And they have a spiritual seeking that was never fully expressed in all their Torah and Avodah and Yeshiva and the seminary and Shul, number one. And then one day they open up Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, Le Marshall, or, or Byron Katie something or, or, one, or Buddhist meditation. And they begin to have such deep insight, such deep understanding that they never got, you know, that's what the vacas, that's what that is, that's that. And it opens up incredible things for them. And they deep dive into their world and they feel I'm finally getting access to all the things they wanted. Often that that's mashling them. Sometimes they end up getting frustrated. Sometimes they see it doesn't go where they want it to go. And then sometimes what that does is deplete them and frustrate them. Sometimes it literally sends them off the derech. Sometimes what it does is people like you is it gives them kalim. This is what the mystics say that it should do. It gives them kalim to then come back. You know, one of the best things I ever hear as the teacher of the Elevation program was someone says, after doing your program, I went back to read Rabbi Nachman or the Tanya. I went back to read Yisrael Salanta. And for the first time, I knew what it meant. 
right? And that gives me nachas because it's not teaching Daniel Katz, it's teaching what the Svarman were teaching and we're just now seeing it. So what you can do is, CK, you, you get the understanding from that world and then when you open up the, the Musa, the Hasidic text, then you understand on an experiential level what they were teaching. And now you can begin a much deeper immersion in your own tradition. But let's give credit where credit is due, Kabbalistically, mystically, because this is what the Vilna Gaon says. Because we lost that light, the experiential techniques and capacity to understand it practically in our own tradition, and we are, and mystics one, there's an ego in us to some degree, it's not nice to say in the firm world, that we're not open to it. Then Hashem has to send it through secular sources. And that we from people that are really yearning for it have to leave the Dalit Amos of Torah in this world and have to head out to be awakened, to be excited about the possibilities. Of course it doesn't go all the way because they're, they're what's called sparks of truth but they're not the whole truth until they're reintegrated in Torah. You can choose to reject them at that point or accept them at that point. What we're supposed to do according to the Vilna Gaon is integrate them together with Torah. But the core of it is that when you come back to Torah, now you're seeing Torah in a whole new way. Your eyes are open. The, the, the reason, CK, I was, I was rudely shaking my head at you is because I deeply disagree with the last part. But I don't really think I'm disagreeing with you. I think we'd agree the same. I don't agree at all as an educator. And as an educator, as a Baltruva, I started teaching in Asia Torah. There were hundreds of people coming to my class every day. And I, I thought I was just teaching Baltruva, but the people were coming from the Mir and different seminaries and Mishpachas. And I started to see a lot of the real pain and service that Klai Yisrael feels behind the scenes. And, and I want you to know, I, I, it's a total disaster, has that for dramatic word, that we haven't packaged the Torah techniques, the Torah tools, in as easy and accessible as the Goyim have packaged their tools. That, that is not a guideless of Torah. And I believe people that have mysterious nefesh to get those tools, it's a tremendous chus for them, right? But as a Gemara Rebbe, I seek to unlock the sugya, to make it easy as possible for a Tamidim to, to understand, not to cover over and to make it as confusing as possible and I hope they'll one day figure it out. So in our generation where people are tired, they're hungry, they're broken, they're desperate, many people in the Torah world as well, and, and secular people are seeking, secular Jews are seeking for Jewish spirituality and all they get is dogma. That's all they feel. It's our job to take the best, most powerful, beautiful parts of transformation, bring it down to the most practical teachings and give it in an app. Give it in a three-hour workshop. Absolutely, we should make it accessible. CK, there's no reason you have to be flung to the four corners of the world. Halavaya was given to you as it was and therefore you could go deeper and unpack more and more. And people are too hungry, it's too late in the game that hope that a few people will figure it out. Let's empower people to open their eyes. Let's give it to our children. Let's give it to our gifts. Let's open up the bottom's eyes to, that they, they can be excited about it as well. And let, let's get to work. CK is responding here. Ah, I get it. Yes, I agree. And I wish. If there's a project like that, I want to get involved with. I'm sure there's projects like that. That's what the Elevation Program, program is 100% dedicated to, to take the deepest parts of experiential transformational teachings of the Torah, to streamline them, to streamline them turn them to curriculums, teach it in the firm world, in the Kirov world, and, and to be an <coughs> Olagoyim, to light of all of the world. So, you know, again, I'm not here to promote <coughs> myself. I'm saying we all should be doing that and, and putting the agenda on the table for all of us. Thank you. Here, Danielle, beautiful. Let's go to the next live question. Uh, press star six. <clears throat> do you hear me? Yeah, we do. You sound great. Okay. Hi. Um, everything 
really resonates. Um, I wanted to know, like, if you can make it a little more practical, like, ha- like all these experiences sound amazing and, you know, meditation and everything, but, like, how do I bring it into my regular practical daily busy life, like, when I come back, like, afterwards? Great. And also, did, did Asha pay another to question. Ask that question? Yes, yes, I paid her. Right. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also, um, is is can it, can this be used like as an escape? Like if it's like feels so amazing that you just want to like stay in the meditation, you don't want to come back to your you know the things you have to do. Like can this yeah, can that, these experiences? Okay. Be- let, let me let me start with the second question. It's more interesting for me. Um, it can be used as escape. Can it be used as escape? Absolutely. You know, we use television as escape, radio as escape, the internet as escape. Some people use pornography as escape. Some people use hating other people as an escape. Depression as escape. Shame as escape. Every kind of addiction is used. Some people, honestly, honestly, Cheva, some people use Gemara's escape. You know, when they come home and they can't be bothered dealing with their kids over well, by their wife, you know, they go into the Jewish man cave. The Jewish man cave is, I'm going to go to the base bedrish, honey. So he goes there and eats cookies and stares at the Gemara. People can use anything in the world as an escape, right? Um, and of course, psychedelics would be an escape, and of course, meditation would be an escape. But let's put things clear. Zavakis is a goal. The Vegas is a, is, is, a, is a goal in life, is that we're supposed to experience Hashem, we're supposed to live with Hashem, right? That doesn't mean live with Hashem in an abstract, poetic sense. It means to directly experience divine revelation, running through the panemis of your life, your neshama is on fire. When a person runs out of davening in the morning, you know, he's already halfway off his tefillin during Elena Shabbat, right? He's running back to work. And, you know, even when he was in his Shemana Ezra, he was still in work. But there's another yid in the corner who's in Devekas for 10, 20 minutes, misses all the, the Kaddishes after, because they're still in Devekas. They still feel close to Hashem. They don't want to run to work. They want all of their work to, to run to Devekas. So is that person escaping the world? The answer is yes. We're supposed to escape the world to Torah and Kedusha. Right? One thing I ask from Hashem is to live. Shavdi Beves Hashem, call Yemei Chayai. Right? But the problem in our escapes is we escape to things that are more destructive. The problem with addiction is, in, is we're escaping to things that are undermining our lives. When you escape to Kedusha, escape to light, escape to healing, that's the place that heals us, that empowers us, that brings us back down to reality in a more healthy, more present way. So could it be used technically bad? Yes. But if you have to be addicted to something, be addicted to Tavakis. Want to bring that sense of blessing into your life, that sense of energy into your life, that sense of clarity in your life, the sense of loving all people and having com- compassion, the sense of feeling one with Hashem, Yichud Hashem. These are all mitzvahs. So it could be used in escape. Halavai, this should be our escape. It could be used negatively. We could use it positively. But, but it, this is a tremendous opportunity. And, and we, we shouldn't be afraid of it in that sense. Now, answering to your question, I, I deliberately want to push off practical things today. Right? Because all my life I'm dedicated to the practical things and doing it. You can go to our online program. We have some discount for you if that interests anyone. You can go to YouTube, SoundCloud, see tons of free videos and doing it, practically doing it. I'm happy to come back and do 10 sessions for you all on the practical experience. But it's also important to understand the challenges of our generation, the opportunities of our generation, and to explore that more in depth. Practically speaking, I would say to you, there are very simple meditation techniques that are really transformative. 
that you can learn 100% from Torah to help you release um, self-sabotaging meters or challenging emotions, destructive emotions, to increase your concentration, to develop resilience, to feel more light and energy, to get Ruach HaKodesh Ma'at, deep insight, um, to heal body ailments and illness. Um, Our sages are, are full with incredible techniques. They're accessible, you can learn them, and you can get real-time breakthroughs, right? And, 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 and we should make these accessible to the world. And, and you're welcome to check out the videos. I'll share a link at the end of the class if you want to join our online program. I'm not here to self-promote, but I'm here to promote Torah Chassidus to say if, if we want to, we can find so much solutions right there and, and we don't need the four corners of the world. Though I'm not afraid of the four corners of the world, I think there's a lot of synergy necessary to take us to the future. But that's an opening point for the discussion. I, I hope that helps. Okay, next. Beautiful. Okay, you're on live. Um, hi, thanks so much for taking your question. Um, I have a question specifically about sh- sharing this kind of information. My husband and I are very passionate about Kirov, and I'd love to know what you think about like sharing these ideas of mindfulness from the Torah. Does it have to be like large scale? Like we did your elevation seminar, we loved it, but like like in so- in terms of like social media, TikTok, Instagram. Or should it really be done like on a person-to-person, like small basis? Why, like, why, 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 Reina, a wonderful question. Why should it only be done on a small level? What else in the, the Jewish world do we only do on a small level? I, I believe that we have to pay people to come and learn Judaism because, because, because honestly, because we're not teaching them anything interesting, right? You know, when, when I used to work in the Morkiv, I used to teach on birthright trips and, and trips to Israel. Again, I understand this is political, but I believe we have to talk about these conversations. Um, 95% when you're in a class of 100 birthright students, 95% of the energy is not teaching them Torah. <laughs> it's just keeping, giving, catching their attention, telling them stories, you know, simple things because they don't want to be there. They don't want to learn Torah right. from you, right? They came because, right? So, so if you ask anyone Kirov, and I sat in the top boardrooms with the top leaders and, and innovators of Kirov for years and had these discussions. Why? Because there's no spiritual seeking in our generation. The youth aren't interested in spiritual development. They're not interested in higher things. I want you to know that thousands of those same people are running to do ayahuasca ceremonies and reporting divinity and connection and being one with reality and the powerful transformation of healing. I want you to know thousands of them are going to Buddhist meditation retreats, ashrams in India. There are incredible force of spiritual seeking, unprecedented in our generation. Look at the Calm app and look at our headspace, right? These are multi-billion dollar organizations teaching meditation to the world. So this lie that we've been taught in Kirov is Torah is so lame and stupid, and there, we don't really think that, but they're so uninterested and unengaged that we, that we have to bribe them, I believe is a lie. The simple truth is we're not teaching something relevant, transformational, and deep enough to be worthy, to be worthy of their interest. When I first taught an elevation workshop in New York, and we filled out 250 paying people, and I loved, not we, I got paid, I loved the fact that we charged, because it was the inverse of, of saying, we're gonna pay you. It was nine o'clock on Sunday morning, a lot of people were there in this group. They were lining up around the block, hundreds of people, and the feeling for me as a Torah educator standing on stage, not only did we not pay them, they paid $100 to come to that session. And they're sitting there with their laptops, sitting there with their notebooks, writing down every word. Oh, what happened to the, this generation of, you know, the people not interested? The answer is because now we were giving them what they were most yearning for, what they most wanted. And of course they're interested. 
So why should we not be public with that? Why should we not be huge with that? I believe the future of QIV and outreach is absolutely Deveka's meditation and personal transformation. Because at the end of the day, the essence of Torah is a Kesha with Hashem. And if you give people Torah and mitzvahs and the black hat and the Gemara and all the Chumras, but they don't have a connection with Hashem and they don't even have a connection with themselves, what have we given them? And what the result is, that they're from but not happy, or they're from until they're not. And I know countless of my friends and, and, and from, from Yeshiva, besides the students, I've seen that happen to them. So, so Kalakavod to you out there in the Kirov world, but I think the future of Kirov is that we're building the Shama's purse, we're healing their pains, we're giving them divine connection. And when they see they can have a higher connection than all those ayahuasca retreats, that they can live with that and integrate that in the most beautiful, healthy way in all dimensions of their life and live with that consciousness, experiencing that healing, I believe nothing will speak as deep and powerfully to our generation. I believe that there will be a future cure of revolution when we really begin to lead with the Panemius and other Chatsonis. And by the way, I'm just quoting the Vilagan, I'm just quoting the Baal Shem Tov. Yeah. This is what they say will happen if a Jewish outreach at the end of days. Yeah, beautiful, Rabbi Let's go to another live question. You're on. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi. We can. Okay, great. So, sorry, I just have my tripod set up. But, um, so, uh, I just want to say, so basically, um, I have a brother who was put on psychiatric medication when he was uh, younger. And um, it actually like destroyed his life. It destroyed his brain. Um, it mo probably it gave him a chemical lobotomy. I mean, he was on an antipsychotic. Uh, he a neuroleptic. Um, he basically has tardive dyskinesia. He's pacing back and forth. I mean, it really messed him up. So I have a few questions <laughs> because. Um, not only was that prescribed to him, and for some reason the Jewish community agrees with that approach, which I am like, why would you agree with somebody's life being messed up with psychiatric drugs? Because to be honest, I don't see how they help at all. Like he was only 13. And so that's my first question, but that's a different question. Okay, so that's a different let, let, let's answer that question to begin with. The Jewish community does not believe with, let's give them people medicine in order to mess them up. So there's no rabbi that's giving medicine to mess them up. Halacha says that that in, in areas of health, of physical healing, we trust the mumchim, we trust the experts and can take their advice. So any rav would trust what the experts say. So the best research done in the field of psychiatry seems to support that there's a value to psychiatric medicine and there's evidence to support that. That doesn't mean that every person taking psychiatric medicine has a good response. It doesn't mean there's not countless complex issues with them. Um, it's well known of how chaotic psychiatric medicine is. I've had many students tell me similar stories. I had a mother three days ago sitting in my study here saying that her son was dealing with some mental health issues, got a whole cocktail of psychiatric medicine, end up with intensive suicidal thoughts suicidal ideation to the point he was tried to commit himself when they took him off the drugs then he was much better so mm. we understand that these this medicines help some people we understand there's tremendous complexity behind them we wish there was a better alternative and for many people the truth is when it they are a blessing but if you're spiritually sensitive at all this is the last thing you want to give your children it's the last thing you want to give your, your family if there's your students if there's something else we can do until right. the psychedelic revolution there hasn't been significantly better options right so that's my right. second question so so right. the issue that i had was that um, 
in general is that he was forced because I understand it helps some people, but he was a child. He was 13 and he was forced. He never actually wanted I, to be on it. So I, I, so I don't know but it, if, if that means he was forced. He was forced. He didn't want to be on it. He, it, he, he was told uh, from his own mouth. Uh, he said, I don't want to be on it. A 13-year-old child has to be forced to eat healthy food. Listen, I, I, feel I, like, I, sorry, I feel like this is like completely, let's move on. No, to no, no. I, I'm going to the second question okay. about, about the psychedelics. No, no, no. Let's go, go to say that what your what your what your premise is is not at all what we're talking about. A and B, you're you're saying because he was talking to his force. It's not. Let's move on to the next question. Well, so yes. my question about the psychedelics. We're looking for something better in it. We'd both like something better for our brothers and our sisters. Okay. Those terrible stories that happen and they're tragic. Yeah. We all agree. Yeah, go yeah. On. He 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 definitely got the worst of it. But um, my second question is uh about the psychedelics is um in psychiatry they 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 involuntarily commit somebody uh because uh they think they're a danger or they're a harm so they take that upon themselves are you suggesting that we should do the same with psychedelics meaning i see it that if a person wants to be on psychedelics it should be their choice meaning just because a person but, but it, I, I don't know i don't know anyone that would disagree with that point i certainly don't know a single professional that would give someone psychedelics without it being their choice right so but they we do don't that if that's really your question well they again do they do in psychiatry that that's a problem with the mental health world the problem of the mental exactly. health world it has problem, certain that, dogmas that it believes in mental health since you're talking about the mental health world, I figured you would you would be you would understand that that's a problem. And then with the psychedelics, how that can how that's um, if you're talking about that being like a an alternative, then uh, what is the rules around it? Because yeah, you know, so it's, it's, it's a different. I, I'm not sure we want to spend too much time on this because, but but I think the, the essence of the question is it's a whole different paradigm. Right, because first of all, no one would give someone a psychedelic medicine without the person choosing to do it. Because let me tell you all this is an incredibly important thing. A lot of people in the Torah world say it's a shortcut. It's not real work. It's a shortcut in Tikkunimidus. Hashem doesn't want us to, to have a shortcut in Tikkunimidus. He wants to do the real work. So that's totally, uh, people that say that literally don't know anything about a psychedelic experience. A psychedelic experience is like doing two years of therapy in eight hours. It's anything but easy. There's bliss, there's magic, there's tremendous tshuva, there's tremendous crying, you confront your biggest fears, you realize how much ego you have, you, 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 you shudder before the bush with this. This happens in meditation experience as well without psychedelics. So the idea that it's somehow easy, it's not easy, it's just incredibly focused and tools and, and resources are given to you to resolve them, but you just have to do the work. In, in a more intense period of time. And there's deep ownership on, on the deepest level possible. So first of all, it's not in any way a shortcut, but one of the things that's absolutely required in psychedelics is the permission of the person doing it. So it's not like I'm gonna give someone psychiatric medicine. I'm the least fan of psychiatric medicine. I think it serves its purpose, but we all agree we need a better solution as fast as we can get it, including most psychiatrists in the world today. That said, that said, my friends, when you, a person needs to choose that journey because it's not the magic drug dropping in that gives you the experience. It's the magic drug dropping in, closed down your mind and opened you up to confront your darkness and your light. And you need that guidance and you need the commitment to do the work. You need the commitment to acknowledge and release what comes up. You need the commitment to confront that darkness within you, to do your read of the to go down. 
And that's not something you can throw upon someone and thrust it in it. I, I've never heard a single uh, therapist or, or person lecturing in psychedelics have ever suggested that that's the path forward. I, I think what you have to hold in mind is your brother had not a unique experience, but it's not as common to have something like that, though there's a lot of them happening out there. But what we're talking is a whole new paradigm of mental health and a whole new possibilities. I don't think you have to be afraid of that. And I, I think we can trust and be a little excited about the possibilities in the future here. I just, I just want to, before we end, like go back up. I think there's a lot of people that all of this is new to them and totally new. Like you mentioned, number one, like people think it's a, it's an escape. That's not what we saw by our parents and we have to work just taking the pill that's 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 i think if you can talk a little bit about that and one more thing uh, i think a lot of people are having our time what exactly are we looking for i know you mentioned the Vua and it sounds exciting but for many probably scary or what what in the world are we looking for okay so let, let's start with the first question this is not our masova so i want you to know i've had this debate with many friends, Rabbonim, um, Talmidim. And let me tell you, when you teach Devekis word for word from the Shulchan Aruch, word for word from the Baal Shem Tov, there's a lot of people say that's not a Masorah. And I've coined a phrase, and it's not a very nice phrase. I said, a lot of people think Masorah means what their Rosh Hashiva taught them. And that's just not the Masorah. It's one stream of the Masorah. It's one beautiful Mahalach in the Masorah. But the Baal Shem Tav is part of our Masorah. The ba Balatanya is part of our Sorah. The Balatanya is on most pages referenced by the Chavetz Chaba, most pages of the Mishnah Burah. Um, Yisrael Salanta is part of a Masorah. There are many, people don't realize that Nevuah is part of a Masorah, right? And, and, and all the Rishonim are talking, the Ramban talks about this of these techniques and the importance of Devekis. So sometimes we use this as anonymous sorrow. And what we really mean is I didn't learn this from my Rebbe. But if something is on the page of our tradition, it's from the biggest Siddiquim, it's absolutely part of our Masora. But what happens is as we go through history, as we go through Holocaust and exile and expulsion, we lose access to different parts of the Masora. And the Siddiquim say what's going to happen at the end of days is the full Masora will come back to us, will become holistic Jews, three-dimensional Jews, full-spectrum Jews, we will get access as well to all the parts of Masorah. Navu will come back, Tikkun Amis will come back, Devek has come back. So be careful when you're saying something that's not a part of out of Masorah, it's a Chiddush, and you're not really saying, well, I just wasn't learned that my Kihila, number one. Number two is what I want to say in answer to Coach Menachem's question, my friends, is there's no Masorah for this approach to Masorah. You know, Cell phones aren't part of a Masora, but you use them. Zoom classes are not a part of a Masora, but you use them. Ritalin is not a part of a Masora, but you use them. Painkiller, Tylenol is not a part of a Torah, not a part of Torah, but you use them, right? This idea, you know, get, get even more halachic, the black paint that we have spectacularly squared to fill in with today, and the 17 fancy bags that we have our name on them, like it's halacha la Moshe Messinai, where you put your name, where you don't. That was never part of our Masora. If you saw Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillin, they would be puzzle and trafe. They would be almost round compared to the precision laser-beamed square boxes we have today. There's no such Masura 
that we can't do anything with not the Amish people, Hashem should bless them, it should be well, that, you know, we, car was not part of a soa. So we absolutely, if something is used as part of medicine, as part of science, and something is helpful, of course that's part of a soa, to use that and take advantage of that. We don't need to be that afraid of the outside world, that we puzzle everything all the time. We have very clear halachic, halachic algorithms. Is something helpful? Is it healthy? Has it been approved by Mumchim? Right? Of course, and if it has, again, I'm not saying everyone should do psychedelics. There's people that should and shouldn't. There's people that could be healthy for, people not healthy for. There's bad actors out there who are selling it. It's not legal in most countries. There's a lot of complexity here. I believe 80% of what we need we can get for meditation. There's nothing wrong with taking in new things. And Adarab, as the Amshinava Rebbe told us, and as the Vilna Gaon told us, as the Zohar tells us, at this store there will be dafka be things. I can read you many Makuras on this will blow your mind. That Armasura closed us off to certain insights. And therefore Hashem actually dafka makes us go out to the world to bring in things that were lost. In fact, what the Vilna Gon calls this, and one of my teachers, Ramosha Shatz, called this, he says it's Torah Bagalas. There's Torah in exile, wisdom, techniques, know-how that we have to actually dafka go to non-Jewish sources and, and bring them back. And that's a masora of how, how, how our voter will look at the end of days. So that's very, very important we hold that in mind. Coach Benachem, did, did I miss one of your questions what, there? What does it look like for, for people who were like, you know, it sounds good, Nebuah Devekos, for logical doubt? Well, what, 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 what does it look like? Find a program, find some classes, find some some, find some teachers. You know, we teach a course online, we teach things. I'm sure there's other wonderful teachers teaching it. If you call it emotional transformation techniques, if you call it the vacus work, if you call it opening up to higher consciousness or meditation, there's unbelievable opportunity to live a life on a new madrega of simcha sachayim, of benuchas and nefesh, of amuna. You don't have to go through life with fear and pain, controlling your mind with negative monkey mind spiral thinking patterns stuck in this process. When you daven, there's no reason, even if you're ADHD, as we say in elevation, that you can't daven with tremendous kavana, tremendous light, feel Hashem's chiyas, feel that love. You can absolutely teach that to your children and you bet your bottom dollar they can have deeper, higher experiences faster than you can, absolutely. Right? So you should find ways to learn this. You should know it's out there. Psychedelics, whether to access that now already. I, I think that when the Rabbanim, the Chashev of Rabbanim and Siddiquim start talking about this publicly, um, you know, there'll be, I think there'll be distinctions about as a person suffering from mental illness and they're forced to need it versus a person that's spiritually seeking. I see from some halakhic sources that may be more complex. The question is, what about the rest of us where I don't have mental illness, but we all live like we have mental illness. We're all controlled by our fear and our anxieties and our ego. So is that enough that I could get value from that? I believe over the time the Torah world will come around to that. I think the start is likely to be bumpy. Even Rabbanu I've spoken about are afraid to acknowledge it or address it. And I think, you know, we have to ask more shilas to them. They have to bring it to the table. But, but find a way in. Start with meditation. Start with inner emotional work, reading about that, learning about that. Um, and there's lots of more and more opportunities coming out to do so. Okay. Hi. Okay, Coach Menachem. Asha, how, how was it? How was it? Was it worse second, than you expected? Second. Or? One second, one second. Let's go. We have one more live. Let's go. Hi. Okay. Hi, thank you so much. And thank you so much, Rabbi Katz, for this um, eye-opening presentation. Um, it's been very interesting and very different. And I very much appreciate your looking and helping to help Kali Yisrael to um, strengthen their devakus and 
their Yiddishkeit. So I want to thank you very much for that first. Thank um, you, I Susan. Have a thank you. Sure, thank you. Um, I also have a couple of questions, um, and maybe you know, part part of this is rooted in the newness of all of this. Um, I'm just wondering a couple of things. First of all, in light of the fact that psychedelic drugs um, cause hallucinations and are known to affect changes in people's perceptions and level of cognition, why why would we, unless, you know, some, somebody is suffering from a mental illness perhaps, but other than that, for a, a healthy person who is mentally healthy, but who wants to um, to otherwise, you know, increase their dveikus to Hashem? Why would we promote psychedelic drugs? And what, if any, Torah sources are there? I know you mentioned Torah sources for using plant-based drugs, and yes, we know that. And Rambam wrote a lot about using plant-based drugs and all of that, but. Why would we, number one, and number two, what Torah sources are there for doing that? And another question... Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, Susan, I have to let you know, it's, it's 6.45 in the morning, and I haven't slept all night, so you're going to have to go one question at a time with me. My, my concentration okay. level is low. Does I'm anyone sorry. have any psilocybin? That, that would help me be more connected <laughs> right now. So, so, so Asha, pass over the bug, whatever that is. Susan, let's start with your first question. Your first question was... Why, why would a person working on Devakas do that? So first of all, if you live with Devakas, you've got Devakas, you don't need to do that. Enjoy and bring us all in, number one. Number two is, let's say the person's really, really blocked and they need to work through some pain or some fear, right, before they can access Devakas. So Tikkun Amidus always comes before Devakas. Read the beginning of, uh, of uh, Shari Kedusha, of Chaim Vital. Tikkun Amidus, fixing Amidus, the t purpose of life, says the villain going is Tikkun Amidus. We have to take down our fear and our ego to open up to the Vegas. Some people aren't able to do that through meditation alone. So if they could have a one-off spiritual experience that takes down their fear and allows them to sense the light so that they can continue doing that after with a Rishima, with an imprint of what there's likes, they feel more comfortable, more loved, more safe, which allows them to go back to the Dveka's work. So that is a wonderful tool that potentially a person can use. Let's be clear, I didn't tell anyone to use psychedelics today. I said, this is out there and we have to know what's happening and we have to decide how much we should embrace and how, how much we should and shouldn't. Um, and, and I leave it up to real Obama and, and much bigger people than me to make this decision. I'm just telling you what's happening on, on the ground. Now, this question about, it induces, uh, what was the word you use? Um, hallucinations. Um, visions, hallucinations. Now, you say that with a lot of cynicism, and you have to, I refer you back to early in the discussion. A person suddenly sees light, infinite love, interconnection. They have it static. The Lubavitcher Rebbe comes to them and gives them guidance that breaks through a challenge in their marriage, and they have a tremendous insight. So, what you call a hallucination is what a person would call a hasaga or a gile of kadusha. Right? They, they, many Siddiquim talk about, they see Siddiquim come to them, see Malakim come to them. So that's not hallucinations, that's part of the vision. The choyzer, the, the, the vision that, that a prophet sees, they see visions. And the truth is that what really happens to the psychedelic is people see real visions of extraordinary things, and not in a way that makes them psychotic or delusional, in a way that grounds them, makes them more healthy, more integrated, more Yerushimayim, more Amuna, 
right, based on mitzias. So we have to be careful when, when you use that word, we don't automatically apply a derogatory inter interpretation. It could be that what they're seeing is something profound, interesting, and, and helpful, and it ultimately takes the person more towards health and balance and integration and away from darkness and pain, which is also a hallucination. Most demyoinists that we have are, are hallucinations of fear, of pachet, etc. So I don't think we have to be as concerned about that word as, as I think your question suggests. Hey, Rabbi Katz, let's, I'm sorry, let's try to squeeze in one more, but I want to read something somebody just sent me, okay? Sure. I'm a therapist and before giving IFS, what, what does IFS stand for? Internal Family Systems, it's a parts work model, it's a very, very powerful I, technique, which is a line. I recommend the sure. clients to do Rabbi Katz's meditation and I did it as well. So both of us be prepared to do the deep internal work and achieve healing. Beautiful. Okay, let's go. Last question of the night. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, okay, my, my background is typical Bishakov girl, grew up in the tri-state area, regular from education, um, zero connection to Hashem. Like I just went through the motions of life. Um, and I've always been searching, um, which led me to therapy, EMDR, um, inner trauma, inner child work, um, history of a little bit of trauma. Of trauma. Um, I tried ayahuasca. It was actually a horrible experience where I just passed out the whole time. Um, and but this whole time, it's really been all about me and and connecting to myself and understanding myself. Um, God wasn't really part of the picture. Um, now. I always thought like first I have to really get to know myself and figure myself out and feel, feel where I'm being blocked in order for, to then connect to God. Um, no, and, and I feel like this is where I'm probably went wrong. 100%. 100%. That's, that's, that's Kodesh Kodashim. That's the holy work. I've, many good Beis Yaakov girls have told me that they can't focus on Hashem in their lives because they, they feel so confused or blocked or disconnected from their own life. And I believe 100% the biggest mitzvah they can do is, is the, the moon. Rabbi Nachman says, before you believe in Hashem, you have to believe in yourself. And that work that you do with your own fears, with your own doubt, with your own challenges, that is holy of holies on, on the path to coming back to Hashem. And, and all, all the Makubalim talk about Tikkun and Midas is always the first step. So I know you haven't answered your question, but I just want to say I'm 100% with you and I 100% agree with you. So, so then when does God, because I'm still searching, like I still haven't, I'm 40 and I haven't gotten to where I want to be. Um, uh, yeah, or it, it, I takes till, to a place. it takes till 41. You have one more year, then you'll be fine. <laughs> um, no, so like really when, at what point, and maybe this is where I'm, I'm being stopped, that now it's time to really connect to Hashem. Okay, so, so Malki, Malki the, the, the question is not a question of time. It's a question of hitting the nail on the head. It's not how long it's going to be. You know, with my students, I'm always saying, you look into their souls and you say, what is the core of the block? You identify the issue and then you find the best meditation, the best transformation technique to say, how are we going to release that block? So even though you ask the question in an obvious base Yaakov online and public kind of way, which is you didn't really say what your issues are, which is totally fine. There is, you're not really talking in a cloudy general way. You're dealing with specific issues. You're dealing with specific block. You've had a certain life. It's led you to certain feelings, right? So the, the step for the next thing is, is what is not working. When you say you fell asleep during ayahuasca, that, that's a thing. I didn't fall asleep, that's I fainted. A, I, I kept like, fainted. blacking right. out. So, so that, that's an interesting thing. What's going on there emotionally? What's going on there mm -hmm. physically? You know, What would have to be, you know, I, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. 
you know, it's not just ayahuasca, there's DMT, there's 5-MeO-DMT, there's sassafras, there's canna, there's, there's LSD, there's psilocybin, there's many strains of psilocybin. Is there a particular medicine that would help you better? Is there a particular dose that would help you better? Is there any facilitation work? Maybe there's a trauma therapy you need EMDR first to help release something. So it's not a general question of how long. It's a specific question of what is the diagnosis and what is the tool available to us that can most speedily get you through that. And that can just take days. It can just take weeks if we find that. So, so Malka, Malki, I just wanted to let you know, it's not a question of time, it's a question of focus. And whoever your spiritual guides are, whoever your therapist is, whoever, what professional you're working with, or, or Rebbe, or whoever that is, try to zoom in on what has worked, what hasn't worked, what itch are we trying to scratch, and how do we release that. When you release that, the Hashem part happens automatically. We're all naturally connected to Hashem, immersed in His light, surrounded by love. And when we just release the blocks in a moment, the most blocked people have the highest experiences. I've seen it many times. And Maki, I hope that answers your question. Asha, I have to jump in. Someone's, someone's upset with me here, and I just want to correct this. Um, okay. Alyssa Hershkovitz says, I, I would not want my children experimenting with drugs. They could become addicts. Must be careful not to turn people into drug abusers. Um, thank you for that, Musa, because I thought it'd be really nice if I could make children drug abusers. Of course, there's not one time I suggested that children should use psychedelics. I don't believe I ever said we should bring psychedelics into shivas or seminaries. What I talked about is teaching the vacas, tikkunamidas, mental emotional resilience in yeshivas and seminaries. That's number one. As a second conversation, if I need to say this out loud, we discuss what else is happening with psychedelics in the world, how it could help many people, including from people, but there's a lot of complexity. Who would qualify for that? When is that necessary? When does it help a Vodas Hashem? When does it take away a Vodas Hashem? But that's a separate discussion, obviously, from, from a Vodas Hashem, emotional health, and teaching that in schools with mainstream curriculums. Thank you. Okay, Rabbi Katz, beautiful. Again, a lot of people are texting, and the lady who asked before, she said, actually, just, she had the follow-up question, because <clears throat> I jumped to the other one. She said, someone who is mentally and emotionally healthy, what methods are suggested to achieve a greater level of the Vegas with Hashem? Great. Go check out our YouTube channel. Go check out our online program. Lots of free stuff on YouTube um, about techniques. There's techniques to learn to concentrate better for more emotional control. Um, to feel passion, emotions, to release stuff. We all have stuff. Okay, Rabbi Katz, on a more practical level, a more practical level, right? You did mention about the, your classes. Is there a specific class, a beginner's class, or some class? I know you mentioned maybe for... Yes, go and check out on YouTube, free, free classes, go and check out the Elevation Foundation series or Kabbalah and Consciousness. And it begins to map down what how consciousness works and what techniques are possible. That's number one. You'll also see on YouTube meditation videos, and you can learn a lot of techniques from this farm. I'm also, my team passed me a piece of paper yesterday that said if people want to sign up to our online program, we'll happen to give the holy coach Menachem Cheva a big discount. I don't like to sell things, um, but I get, I get arm wrestled by my team to say, please just mention it. So here's a mentioning. If you go to elevationmastery.com, elevationmastery.com, we have our online program that thousands of people have done. Um, and there's, you can sign up for the main or for the premium, not basic, but main or premium. You get 50% off the price there if you use the holy password, Coach M. Coach M, you all have to figure what out what Coach liver? M is. What am I, Chop Liver? <laughs> <laughs> coach Chop Liver is the Asha password, Coach M. Um, and you get 50% off. If that interests you, I also answer questions there if you have questions. And there's, there's hundreds of hours of meditation techniques and community that are learning and doing this work. 
and a lot of people available to answer your questions, etc. So, so I am very reluctant at the end of a long, deep conversation to say, here's a quick technique, because it's more than just saying one, two, three, four. It's about being in a set and setting, a state of mind that you can open up to it, that you can do that work. I do that in public. I don't mind doing that for 500 people in a video, but I think there's a value to have the deep, important conversation as well. So as a reference point, Elevation Mastery, Coach M, 50% discount. Check out uh, on Torah anytime there's classes, but there's a lot of stuff on YouTube happening. If the oil here uses YouTube, uh, that's a terrible thing, but enjoy my classes there. Good <laughs> okay, Shkayat, first of all, Grace Shkayat from Daniel Katz, coming back. Um, I thought this class was so deep. I feel like we try to pull it down as much as possible. The concepts, everything is good. But like you said, is the, the truth is what you're saying, and I understand it, is that it's not like, okay, everybody close your eyes for three minutes, take three deep breaths, and now you feel Hashem. It's, it's not that. It's a whole learning how to do meditation, learning how to be in yourself, all that stuff, and it's a process. It's, it's obviously very deep, and it's yeah. not me. So... It's not I don't feel that you're trying to dodge the question and you're trying to push people to do it. Try it, right? Worst case scenario, you don't like it, you see it's nothing there, then then you have nothing to lose. Go on YouTube, it's free, right? Some of those classes. Right. So right. try it. And it's there's there's not a quick fix, but the concepts I thought were very powerful. And again, I want to reiterate, you're you didn't you didn't tell any this is the things that you're discussing are factual what are happening in today's world. People are yearning, people are reaching right. out to these psychedelics. Not that anybody should do it at all. If you want to do a psychedelic, it's your decision, but it's not something that we're talking about at all. We're talking about how we could get into that place where we could feel some of that spirituality in reality without the pills, without the medication, connecting via Hashem and feeling that place. I happen to know some people that I you talk to them that you could feel the connection, you could feel the debates they have, the, the community. People that go through tremendous nishoyness and they feel the simple way we call it is because they feel so connected. So you could either say they're high on LSD, right? That's option A. Or option B, they really work on their technology, this work themselves over many, many years. And they reach it there. So I'm turning 41 anyway next month. So I know by the next month I'll be good to go. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so again, thank you for coming back a second time. I, I do feel like next class, I really, after this class, practical like one deep meditation class with you together on Culture Let's Master. do it. Let's do it. I think we bring do it. it on. I think we'll bring it on. So uh, I'm already reserving you. So let's, let's definitely do that. Um, again, anybody who's here tonight, next Sunday, we're going to have an amazing cheer. The world famous frequency in Classical. We've been discussing a really interesting topic. Tough questions. Feeling confident when your children ask difficult Tashkafa questions. It goes in more than to that. It's going to go into some Yiddishkeit and, and understanding and feeling connected to Hashem in a different in a different a different Kanech. Um, Reverend Sian is, is an amazing storyteller and um, it, should, it should be an amazing program. It's an amazing speaker. So we look forward for next week. Please come on and tell people about it. If anybody's interested in signing up for the flyers to know who's coming on every single week, please go to MenachemBernfeld.com. Um, and sign up to the email list. And every Thursday and Sunday, I'll send you an email with the flyers so you know who's coming on and you know what the topic is. And you can send in your questions so we could really get to where we want to get to with the Shayurim. If you want to sign up to the WhatsApp class, uh, somebody just says, just bring on Rabbi Katz every Sunday. We'll be good to go. Okay, sounds like a plan. Um, anybody wants to sign up to the WhatsApp uh, uh, flyers every Sunday, WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066 every Sunday morning. I send it out to everybody on my list so you can have it as well. Post it to your families, to your friends, people. I say not every week is for everybody. You have to be a certain type of person to come to tonight's year. For next week, you have to be a certain type of person. Certain topics are not negated to you. Um, yes, thank you, Chapel of Ashraparnas. You got it. Um, <laughs> so, again, please join. It's going to be a really, really powerful program next week as well. Everything is recorded. It'll be on www.menachemburnful.com, hopefully around uh, tomorrow sometime. And if you have any questions at all, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. 
If anybody wants to get in touch with Rabbi Katz, go to the Elevation Project website, search his name. It comes up pretty quickly. It's a pretty uh, advanced site. Tonight's sheer is sheer. Menachem, what's tonight's sheer? What number? 91. What's 91? Tzadik Aleph. What is the Gematria? Shemavaya and Adna. Shemavaya. What's Shemavaya? Connection. Connection to Hashem. Got it. Okay, that's Tzadik Aleph. Connection to Hashem. That's, it equals that. With, with add some Kugel to that. Okay. And if anyone wants to get a share on the phone, call 848-777-GROW. We'll be on the phone lines tomorrow. Again, thank you to all the advertising sponsors, the Liquid Scoop, Rabbi Yenid Chazak, Chayla Kaplan, Shmuel Summer, JCN, OK Clarity. The, the, the OK Clarity brings greater health and wellness to the Jewish community. And we're going to go to closing. Menachem, I would like you to, I'm going to give a closing. Then you can give a closing. Rabbi Katz, I would like you to give a closing. So my closing for tonight is we live in a world where people are very spiritually thriving. I think every person matter what age, even young people, they um, they want a connection. I don't think anybody's here without wanting a connection. I think that we try all different methods. We try things, we go through different groups in life, whether it's money, whether it's finding, oh, do, if I do this, if I do that, and we go through all those stages as we get older and older, and we live through all those stages, but there's a tremendous yearning to always feel that connection, spirituality, and I think whether you're or guy, everybody wants to feel connected. Nobody wants to be here feeling disconnected. So if we want to feel connected, there's a lot of ways to feel connected. You could definitely drink a lot of alcohol. You could do all these types of things, which I'm not knocking. I'm just saying there's ways and there's ways to connect, you know, which is our Messiah, which is Yiddishkeit, which is Judaism, which is the beauty of it. And Judaism has a lot of beauty. And um, that's why we're all here. And that's why we do the share Sunday night so we could all grow together. And Reb uh, Daniel, I'm just, I'm happy that you came to discuss this. I think this is resonates with everybody. If, you, if it doesn't resonate with you, then uh, I don't know. Maybe Taka should take ayahuasca. But <laughs> <laughs> he said that. I didn't say that. He said that. You resonate with every every person in the world, and everybody should take whatever they need from it. Everybody should turn to their rav, to their mashpia, to their derech and taira, to their level in Judaism, to their level in connection, and take it to their level where they want to go. If you don't know where to go, there's so much resources out there, books and shirim and things out there to connect to. So. That's my closing. Coach Menachem, wrap it up. Thank you, Usher. I think you took the cake. I tried. So I want to thank Rabbi Katz and uh, Baruch Hashem. We had the discussion tonight, which is an honor. It's uh, something that a lot of people wouldn't discuss. And like Rabbi Katz said, we have to discuss. But uh, I think there are a lot of people here that are still trying to figure out what in the world does this mean? And I think this is the first step to understand that not always do we need to understand the way we understood till now. Because obviously we're talking about a little bit of a change, seeing things from a different light, something that you're not used to. It's not exactly one plus one, which we love to uh, see and uh, live in that world that makes sense. And that, that sometimes could keep us, it, it, the, the blocks that doesn't let us, like we heard in the beginning, it doesn't allow to let go and let things happen. So if this can be the first step to many of you, many of yours on your journey to just understand that maybe logically you're not sure, take a deep breath and let it happen. And in Mitzvah Shem, Shem should guide us all to the next step in Mitzvah Shem. So thank you very much, Rabbi Katz. I just want to say amen to what you said because amen is a gematria 91.
Rabbi Katz, uh, wrap up with a bracha, then we can say amen together. As is Elan, the tree of life, and we all need to connect to Eitz Chaim, also Elan 91. I want to end dramatically with a, with a blessing and a warning, as is our custom. The, the blessing is that when you learn Torah and you spend your life dedicated to mitzvahs, and then you add to that your emotional health, and then you add to that the capacity every day to meditate and ha- do his bodhidus, his bodhidus, and feel tremendous light. It, it transforms every dimension of your Yerushimayim, of your Torah, and your mitzvahs, of your tefillah, of your shalom bias, of your chinuch bonum, of your you know, simchus achayim. Everything is transformed. You feel more light, more love, more connection, more peace. You're a better yid in ruchnis and gashmis. And, and we're given new gifts that we weren't taught in Yeshiva Semenei, but they're there in our Amasura. And I believe Hashem is pushing us now if we could teach in the schools, if we have this in our shuls, if we learned and practiced in Chaboras, it would transform the potential and the light and, and the blessing of our communities. Amen. And, and the warning is, the warning is also simple. If we don't take this seriously, not only are we missing out on our best life, Olam Hazer, besides Olam Haba, we're creating tremendous pain and, and challenges in our community. More people doing more mitzvahs, more disconnected. I believe we will lose the Kirov game because people will have deeper and higher experiences, more meaning, more connection, more healing. And, and the Torah won't speak to them. It'll speak to them less and less. And, and, and religious Jews and secular Jews will look to the four corners of the world and still shrug their shoulders when they come back to us. And I believe there's a deeper Masorah we have access to which is deeper than what's on the table in front of us. And, and if we embrace it, there's a tremendous opportunity. Don't think about now about the psychedelic part, if that's confusing. Think about the gifts that we have on Masora of meditation, of transformation. It really is in Torah. It really could be revealed. If we don't, there's consequence. If we do, there's infinite blessing. And may we be zerchah to not be afraid and to celebrate the unique matanas and, uh, and, and gifts given in our door. And Hashem should bless us in Mokhnis and Gashmis. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a good morning, River Cats. I'm going to go to sleep. Have a good night. We'll see everybody night, next Sunday night, 9.30, Rabbi Tzian Classical. Good night. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.